Welcome to episode 687 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 687 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am loving life, Bevan, and happy Kona week to you. And happy Kona. It's, it's better than Christmas, better than Easter, better than Black Friday for all you American listeners. It's just better than it all put together, John, because it's Kona week in the triathlon world. Pretty excited. We're talking a lot of Kona talk today, but before we do that, John, let's say sponsors. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And we'll name a few Jumbo. Peter, the Potter Welsh. I could say Barbie Dinky Dynamo. And how'd say that last name? I'd say Bristolais. Bristolais. And then we've got Brent, the Ringmaster Ryan. And this week's show, team, it's all about Kona. We're going to be talking about the big race. We're at Hot Topic of the Week, which we literally did two days ago. Um, but, but you guys are getting that a week later. And then John's been doing lots of interviews. Who you got on, Jumbo? So I've already spoken to Joe Skipper, um, quality of that one, we'll see how it comes out. It seemed okay when I was recording, but Bevan's uh, the master of hopefully fixing things up. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking to Imogene Simons, who finished third at the 70.3 World Champs, also finished second at Ironman Frankfurt, and I'll be having a chat to Torsten to give us all the statistical information we need come race day. So let's dig straight into it. This week's Kona, where we've got the big race coming up, but we thought we'd look about what happened last year and then what we're looking at for this year, and we'll do our picks as well, John. So let's look back on last year. Last year, if you've got to say one thing, it was a fast year. It was extremely fast. So uh, I had a look through some of the stats, and Torsten's got plenty of this stuff in his tri-rating report, so do get on there and geek out on all your stats. You'll find out loads of information on uh, all the different athletes. But looking through the bike times last year was where it was especially fast, um, but Last year, six of the top 10 times of all time Hawaii in Hawaii were recorded last year. Yeah. Uh, and on the men's side, seven of the top 10 bike splits of all time were recorded last year. So it just goes to show, yes, the standard of racing was very, very high, um, but also the race conditions were out of this world in terms of the bike. Uh, and then also because of that, you know, because you didn't get so, quite so beaten up on the bike, then you also were able to run super fast as well. Yeah, yeah, and and that was both female and males. Yeah, so the females, six of the top ten fastest times of all time were recorded last year, um, and you got to consider all the amazing, you know, ladies and, and blokes we've had over the years. Um, and for the females and the males, six of the top ten of all time were last year. So that's pretty impressive. And on the female side, it's even more dominant on the bike. Nine of the top ten bike splits of all time were recorded last year. So why was last year so fast? Like we've, had, we've had good condition years, but why was it more exceptional last year than previous times? I'm, I'm pretty sure, when, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong here, but I think the wind swung a little bit, so you kind of got tailwinds both ways, uh, so that was that was a key. It just seemed like there was next to no wind and, and a little bit of an advantageous wind, and when you do get that tailwind on the way back down the Queen K, you, you know, often you get it for the first stretch um, down to Waikoloa, and then it's a bit of a slog all the way back into town, but it sounds like 
it was a decent win all the way through um, and the packs were just sticking together which probably also helped significantly so yeah uh, a number of different factors plus you know a bunch of uh, uber cyclists pulling things along as well Mm, mm. Um, what were some of the things that we did who were some of the guys who weren't there last year who were the big players that maybe could have been the player? obviously got Fredino but who else was maybe not there last year in the men's race you know could have been a player we were talking up Terenzo because he, he'd had some fantastic yeah. performances, you know, um, in the sort of the previous twelve months. But of course, he had his accident um, and was was not was not there. Uh, we thought he might make it at the sort of last minute, but wasn't able to. And he could have been a factor. Still hasn't sort of really cracked it in Kona, but he potentially was looking like he could have been a factor. Um, other athletes that were there, but they weren't. Uh, Performing on the day for whatever reason, Kenley he he finished well down the field. Sanders finished well down the field, and Patrick Nielsen uh, finished well down the field as well. So, those were probably three big names um, that either didn't perform or didn't finish. Uh, and then on the female side of things, I mean, Miranda Carfrey, you know, you say it was a good comeback to getting getting fifth, but she's a three-time winner, so you know, fifths uh, is a solid day at the office, but. But it's not, you know, not running two fifties that but, we've seen her but, do before. But are we going to see that again? Do you, you know, do we do we look at Rennie and go actually fifth? Considering she's come back from having a baby, is maybe the best we we're going to see even from here moving forward. I wouldn't be surprised if she go, she creeps up a little bit, but I can't see her. Just, I think things have just moved on a bit. You know, the the, the standards lifted a little bit in terms of how, how awesome the athletes are on the, the bike. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if she pulls out a 250, I'm pretty sure that would run her onto the podium. But I still think, you know, if, if the other girls are, are firing, I don't think she's necessarily going to make it. So a couple of others that didn't perform last year, um, Jocelyn McCauley, she had a few really good races and, and didn't perform on race day. Susie Cheatham, she's often a top tenner. Emma Pallant and, and Meredith Kess, or has yet to, um, yet to actually figure out the Kona puzzle, but she's had some amazing races elsewhere in the world, but uh, hasn't quite managed to um, to put it together in Kona. One of the big things that Kirst, um, Thorsten, Thorsten, sorry, has got on his website is athletes who decided not to take their slot this year. Now, looking at the list here, John, it's all females. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I know that uh, Freddie Van Leerd is, is no longer on the start list. Um, so he's one that took it and then has decided not to race. I think okay. he's I think he's racing in Barcelona. Uh, come, you know, would have done Barcelona at the weekend. So he's one. But yeah, no, there's there's not many. And as you said, it doesn't look like there's any blokes that are that aren't taking it up. So but interestingly, maybe Lucy Gossage now that she's a more of a part time athlete. But Teresa Adam, you know, Heather Wirtle, these these girls who can get top ten. Yeah, but opportunity cost, you know, um, maybe top 10, but maybe they can go and win races elsewhere or especially in Heather Wirtle's case, going and been doing doing really, really well at 70.3. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting race. Probably the, the one person when I look through the list that hasn't uh, isn't racing that didn't qualify was Angela Nath. She got uh, eighth last year and uh, did not make the start list this year despite trying a number of times. She didn't win any races, and that's kind of what you got to do these days. Um, if it had been a points-based system, I imagine she may well have got in, um, but she's probably the one female that's that's not on the list. Other than your clear favourites, who could spark it up? This is, this is the title you got here, John. So clear favourites in the female race, we're going to say it's obviously Reef, then Lucy mm-hmm. Charles. What other names do you think are going to be up there in, in the females race? 
I reckon it's going to be business as usual. And, and I think the guy, on the guy's side, there's quite a few dark horses that could completely change the complexion of the race. But my sort of gut feeling is it's going to be kind of business as usual. But a couple of names to sort of throw out there is Jocelyn McCauley. Um, again, she's got the pedigree elsewhere in the world. If she's on, on form, I think she could be a definite uh, podium place getter. Imogene Simons, who you're going to hear from today, hopefully. Uh, she had a great 70.3, but 70.3 is not Ironman. But she's still pretty new to the game. And she was able to bike extremely strongly at that race. Uh, and she had a good Frankfurt in hot conditions, so potentially she could be one to, as a bit of a surprise. Maybe not for the win, but um, maybe for a top five. And Miranda Carfrey, I, I saw an interview with her, and she said she's in significantly better shape than what she was last year, especially with uh, regards to her running. So as you kind of said, I think she's kind of passed maybe winning it, but she could certainly run herself into third place. When you consider someone like Anne Haug last year ran her way into to third place, I think Miranda Carfrey can still match some of those um, fleet-footed females, but it's just whether she can get herself in a, a good enough position come off the bike. Well, last year she ran an, eight, she an 8.50, but she ran a 3.01. If she'd ran that 3.50, oh, sorry, 2.50, she would have ran into third. So, you know, if she can mm. pull off that kind of running form that she's shown in the past, your podium's definitely up there. And the final one that I had in the females mix is Caroline Stephan, who, you know, she's been right up there in previous years. Obviously now has a, a baby in tow. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that desire is higher, lower, the same, um, and if she's been able to prepare to the, to the same levels that we've seen her in the past. But she's, you know, on her day, could be a contender. So are you going to do female picks now? Um, no, I'm just going to put mine on Facebook once other people actually put their picks up there. I'll oh, no, we're going, we're, going, we're going to do it on the show. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to be rather boring here and, and in terms of the female picks. <clears throat> and I'm actually going for exactly the same as it's what we saw to, last it? year. No, it's, um, it's really hard not to. Yeah, Reef, Charles, and Anne Haug. That's going to be my top three. I think it'll be business as usual. The only Anne Haug, she raced, I think it was just off the top of my head, it might have been Copenhagen or it was one of those European races and absolutely crushed it and caught in uh, course record condition, course record. And I know she's had some injuries, but if she's fighting fit, I think she's uh, she'll be good to lock in maybe third place. So I kind of think it might be the same as uh, usual. But I am woeful at making predictions. But who was the girl? Who, who was the girl in Germany? Sarah True, wasn't it? Sarah True, who who collapsed and didn't make it to the finish line. She got fourth last year. Yeah. Do you pick her and do you pick her to take out N? Well, she's gone around and struggled uh, a lot this year, so I, I think she's going to have some, some mental demons as well as the physical challenges she's had. You know, she went to race Cairns and uh, didn't qualify there and uh, DNF'd off from memory. And then she went to Germany, uh, Germany and DNF'd there, you know, but still basically did the entire iron distance race. Uh, and then finally, wherever she qualified, I can't actually remember off the top of my head where it was, but it was fairly recently. Uh, so she, she's had to do three performances, uh, put herself through a lot of training and a lot of stress. So I, who knows? She might be uh, she might be a contender, but I would say uh, I'd be surprised if she can beat last year's uh, performance. Okay, John, I'm pretty boring because I, no one's not picking Reef. Mm. Lucy, you know, seems to be kind of that next step from behind Reef. And then, it, uh, to me, third spot's the real mystery because if Marini could have a great race, who knows? I am actually going to go Sierra True because I, I kind of take it more of 
she's going to come into it. Now, physically, she might be a little bit fatigued, but who knows? But I think the desire is going to be there because she's had to prove herself so much this year. So, And that German race, other than kind of actually exploding at the end, she was pretty stellar race. So I'm going to say it's true for third. That's my, that's my top three. Very good. So the boys um, race. Because there's, there's, still, there's still loads of others in the, that'll be, be in the mix. Because um, you know, we, we say those top three or four, but I guarantee one of them is going to completely crumble and uh, and not perform. And then you'll have the others, you know, the likes of um, Heather Jackson. You know, she's been a great racer over there before, Sarah Crowley. So there's a number of other ones there, but I don't know that any of them can necessarily win the race unless those, if, you know, four of those five uh, completely fold, which it doesn't usually happen. Happen. so one or two might but all four of them to fold i'd be surprised just going back, just going back to the, the females race from last year how much did daniela beat the record by last year it was huge wasn't it uh, i don't uh let me have a quick squiz here well, she Devin. did 826 last year phenomenal okay. yeah phenomenal conditions but phenomenal race and we've got to remember she did that off a woeful swim where she had the the jellyfish issues so yeah. uh you know I, I kind of want it to be a really good race, but at the same time, I kind of want to see her at her absolute best, absolutely cranking it, and uh, and see what she's capable of. Obviously, the conditions always change, but you know, a good measure is is by how much she actually beats everybody else in the field. So, uh, exciting times, I think. And um, I hope, hopefully, she gets pre-tested though. That would be that's one thing I think we all want. Otherwise, the females race might get a little bit on the boring side. And let's be honest, we probably think that's going to happen. So the boys race, uh, who's going to mix it up, first of all? Um, well, it's, I find it really hard to predict the men's race. Um, in terms of, I think that the Germans are going to go one, two, and three. In terms of Frodo, um, Keenlay, and Langer, that's sort of my, my pick. You really are picking Langer? I mean, Keenlay. Yeah, yeah, no, I reckon he's had it. He's had it. He's been on fire this year. His running is really, uh, you know, he, he outran Javier Gomez and, and Nice. You know, obviously, really hard bike course, but uh, his running has been fairly consistently pretty awesome. So I'm uh, I'm picking him. Wow, I, I don't see it happening. I, I just think that swim factor. He's always chasing all day. I think he's to push a little bit harder in his race. It's an Ironman, not a half Ironman. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I find it hard to pick him in the top three. You know, like. Top ten, maybe top five, but three. Yeah. Um, Bevan, okay. Bevan, to answer your question, so Daniela Reefs last year she went eight twenty six. Yeah, Lucy Charles also broke the record, uh, and Haug also broke the record. So Daniela Reefs' previous record was uh, eight forty six. Twenty and, minutes. Yeah. And wow. Mar- and Miranda Carfrey was uh, eight fifty prior to. I mean, she that's what she went last year, and then Daniela Reefs' previous record was eight fifty. Um, and Rennie's time was 8.52. Chris, it looks like Chrissy's fastest time is 8.54, which seems kind of odd. But Yeah, but, you know, in the last few years we've seen an speed increase. But that, I remember just thinking at the time, who beats a world record by 20 minutes? You know, mm. like, like even the boys' race, I think they took about 12 minutes off. Oh, no, it was about 10 minutes, wasn't it? About 10 minutes off the men's record. Yeah. And, and I think Lucy Charles was, rec- you know, like, that's, you know, to me, that's what that day gave, was a 10-minute PB for a champion. Her 20-minute yeah. effort, unbelievable when you think about it. Jellyfish in the, in the morning in your swim. She, I talked to her after the race. She's like, oh, I'm thinking I'm going to pull out because, you know, and I thought, oh, I might as well just stick at it. Feeling okay on the bike. Second half of the bike, put the turbo on. And then just, just a freak, man. What an amazing performance. 
Yeah, so Chrissy, Chrissy Welling set a course record in 2009 of 8.54. Marinda Carfrey dropped it to 8.52 in 2013. Daniela Reef dropped it to 8.46 in 2016. And then she dropped it again, as Bevan said, by 20 minutes. That's pretty nuts. Oh, it's, so, it's just awesome. It's, mm. she's, she's just a amazing athlete okay so going back to the men's race so so um back to the boys yeah look you go yes yeah, there's so many unknown factors you know so brownlee how the hell is he going to perform i got i don't think he's going to perform but um and i kind of think if he turns up and he races conservatively I reckon he might do really, really well. But if he actually goes for the win from the get-go, I think he probably won't. Uh, so we're interested to see what sort of game he plays, um, whether Cam Worth can light it up on the bike and, and if you know, get off the bike with a 10-minute with a lead and if he can run like he did in, um, in Italy. Yeah, he's a contender. And then you know the big thing for me, and this, this, we sort of talk about this every year, is whether the Uber bikers can come through and absolutely spank the living crap out of the, uh, the runners. And for that to happen... I think you need tricky conditions, but there's so many good bikers now. You know, you've got Cam Worth, you've got Starkowitz, you've got Michael Weiss, you've got Joe Skipper can sometimes light it up. Uh, you've got Lionel Sanders who can sometimes light it up, Andreas Dreitz. There's so many guys, but I kind of think they'll need tricky conditions to be able to ca- firstly catch the pack because most of them are weaker swimmers and then actually come through, smash it through the middle stages, keep the foot down on the, uh, the accelerator and see if they can get a 10-minute lead because, you know, that all the, most of those guys are actually half decent runners, and some of them are really good runners. So if they can get a big lead, I think that's what we're all hoping for. So the runners, you know, we, we don't see Fredino etc. coming off the bike in, in the first couple of positions, and then you, you know they're going to run them down. Hopefully, those guys can have the conditions that mean uh, they can go out there and crush it, and we have an exciting run course. Okay, here's my top three. Mm-hmm. I'm going Fredino. Mm-hmm. I'm going Langer. And then I'm going Curry. Braden Curry. See, well, I don't well to be him. honest, last year he had a pretty average run for his for, for his running technique. No, he's a great runner, mm-hmm. um, and he, he's fought. You know, he's had some great races against some pretty good runners over the years. Um, you know, he probably didn't perform in the run like he would have hoped to last year. He's had some mm-hmm. performances which show that he could be a top three in Kona. You know, and mm-hmm. and he's been under the radar this year. This year hasn't been the greatest year for him. He got there, but it was a bit of a journey for him to get there this year. Yeah, I, I, you know, like I know it's a bit of a biased one because he's a bit of a Kiwi, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled off a third. There's almost always one, especially on the male side, on the podium, that's a bit of a, a little bit of a, not a massive surprise, but a little bit of a surprise. So I don't, uh, I'm not discounting your call there at all. You know, so David McNamee, he's done third two yeah. years in a row and uh, probably wouldn't have picked that. But just goes to show, if you can put out a, a pump out a really solid run, you know, in the 240s, um, you're going to give yourself, you're going to be right in contention. If, as you said, if Braden Curry had been five minutes quicker on the run, you know, he ran a 253. If he'd run, say, a 248, 249, Bang, he's in third place. And so, Braden has uh, the ability to run a two, low 240, if, mm. you know, if, if he could really pull that off. Now, if he'd ran a 10-minute faster run last year, well, he's in second, third spot. Mm. You know, so, you know. Uh, who's your, you got a dark horse, Bevan. I know you'll just pull one out of your butt, but who's your dark horse? I'm a dark horse. Okay, what, what, what for, top 10? No, top five. Oh, top five. I was going to say Nicolinas for top ten. Um, <laughs> uh, well, he's had a couple of good races recently. He, he's uh, equal. I think he's equal most experienced athlete in the race. I think with Lindsay Corbin, uh, those two. I think 
And this is why you need to go and read Torsten's... Okay, uh, I've got my dark horse. I think both done 12 races over there. Okay, uh, Jay's Kanamna. Really? Interesting one. Yeah, you know, like, I, he's of the pedigree. He's had some races of that speed. You know, now it's been a couple of years. That's what I'm saying. It's, this is a dark horse. But in his prime, he could have got a top five. Mm. I don't think he could have got top three. Um, you know, so that's why it's a dark horse. If he got there, it's a total surprise, but... You know, why not? Who's okay, yours? Uh, Andy, Andy Boucherer uh, is, is going to be my pick. Uh, just to sneak somewhere in there in the top five to make it four Germans out of the top five. Okay, what about girls? And I'm, I'm going to throw uh, uh, Dreitz in there as well. So it's going to be German, Germany one through five. But didn't Dreitz get... Oh, no, no, I'm thinking of Arnott's. Um Okay, what about the females? Females, my dark horse is going to be. Who's going to crack into the top uh, top five? I am going to go. I'm not even looking at the start list now. Uh, you could, you could go with Caroline. That was your that was your random one. To me, that's a real random one. For her to get top five is a big call. Yeah. No, I'm going to go Jocelyn McCauley. She's never done it before over there, so and I don't think she's really that big a dark horse. But I would not be at all surprised if she goes in there. But you know what I want. Two things I want out of this race. Maybe now we'll discuss that in the, the hospital. I'm going to go Heather Jackson. Well, she's been there before, so oh, no. it wouldn't be too much of a surprise oh, no. either. Still, that's the way I went with it. Oh, no. Laura Sedell. There we go. Laura Sedell. Go, Laura. I love Laura. Um, okay, John. So that's, it. that's our picks for the race. Um, we did do a hot topic of the week this week. And oh, first of all, one big change for the year is it's the first year we're doing the wave starts. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this goes. I think it's going to improve things for the age groupers. I think it's going to give, hopefully, going to give people the opportunity not to draft a little bit easier. You know, so I think um, there's still going to be big groups out there. I think it's still going to have some real big issues with the age groupers. Um, but I think they're doing the best that they can. And I think if the athletes take the right sort of attitude going, I'm going to try really, really hard not to draft here then it might work, but my suspicion is the same sort of thing will happen. You'll see one person getting on a wheel and you go, I'm not going to miss out on that, and then the packs will start forming. But uh, I think it's a great move, so I definitely applaud them for, for doing this, uh, and we'll just have to see if the athletes can uh, play by the rules and, and hopefully spread things out a bit more. So good luck to all the age groupers racing. Just on that, um, with the gap between the female pro and the first wave start for the age groupers, what's the gap there? Do you know? Well... I do. It's 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 not that the age groupers are going to catch them up, but I think this is just a think, Bevan. Yeah. But I think the gap between the male pros and the female pros might have changed this year. I think uh, so. There's only a five minute gap, which means Lucy Charles is really going to swim up to a lot of them. Maybe yeah. I mean, maybe that's the same, but she's going to swim up to a lot of those uh, those guys. So she may. She probably won't be able to get too much of a toe, um, but uh, oh yeah, she's definitely going to swim through through quite a few of them. So I don't think they'll have the issue with age groupers catching up. Uh, they might catch up to the, the the mid to tail end um, of the the female pros, and that's probably not going to affect the outcome of the race. But yeah, we'll see we'll see how we go. Okay, John, we had a discussion of the week a couple of days ago because we were recording this literally, well, a day and a half ago, we were recording this the night after last week's show. It was, what was the best case scenario from a viewer's perspective when it comes to watching Ironman Hawaii unfold in terms of how would you love to watch the elite race pan out? And in a very short period of time, we've got some good answers here. John, so you can go first. 
Well, one of our top fans, he's got the little top oh, fans. I saw that. Next to him. Daniel, Daniel Costello, Lucy Charles heading into the run with a five-minute advantage trying to hold on. And the men's worth to get into T2, 10 minutes ahead of a group, including Fredino, Keenlay and Sanders. Langer, another five minutes back. Hopefully an epic battle between them all. Would Langer catch him and has Worth's run improved enough to hold on? Couldn't agree with you more there, Daniel. Yeah. I think you've just, just about nailed it, uh, especially with Langer being an extra five minutes back. Okay, uh, Brendan John Murray's got Uber Biker contingent killing each other at the front and losing all the clingers, except a few brave enough to break into the no man's land, leaving the run to a complete battle of attrition. Worth, Sanders, Curry, mm. O'Donnell, Brownlee, Keenley, unpredictable finish order as parts fall in the final 10k. Okay, uh, Tim, Tim Carpenter, men worth to hit, hit T2 first, Frodo, Keenlay, Brownlee together on the run, chasing him down, the woman, Charles and Reef into T2 together after Reef chasing on the bike, side by side, duel for the win. Christopher Doyle's guys, not sure what will happen, but we will not see much of thanks to the Isle Man single camera coverage, <laughs> he's not very happy about that. No, I, I'm not going to give them too much. No, they're pretty good. On, they're pretty good this weekend. They're yeah. pretty great. Yeah, it would be good to have in a couple of extra cameras, but we've sort of uh, discussed that one to death in the in the past. Carla Chandler says Reef gets properly challenged down to the wire. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Julian Swartz has got uh, boys battle royale, Iron War style times three, hamburger. Fredino, Brownie leading out of the water, then Keenlay, Sanders and Wolf coming through on the bike, but never completely dropping Fredino and Brownlee. And then the drama of Langer slowly but surely running them all down. First wish is Sanders taking the win in a nasty, gut-reaching, grunting, hurt box fashion, <laughs> but more likely Patrick Three-Peats. With the girls, he's got this like Angry Bird versus Lucy show with the true making the lay it all out their performance. And Rennie showing she's still got fire in the running the leaders down. Someone would have to mug her to stop Reef, so uh, no, it's hers to lose, but we'd still love to see Charles take the win and Rennie grab fourth. Last one, I'll do Travis George. A swim pack to break away so that the Uber riders have to put the power down to break away from the run specialists so the cyclists make it to the, to at least the 21k point before the runners close in i totally agree again with you travis it would be great to see some separation in the swim so you get different formations happening uh on the bike you know I've, i kind of thought this was going to start happening a few years ago with more sort of you guys and, and some better pedigree of the swim swimmers happening but it doesn't seem to have quite worked out the swimmers have never really kind of got away but I, I agree if you get a good little group of swimmers you know you're thinking Fredino um, Brownlee uh, and Amberger and one or two others uh, to really try to light it up in the swim and split things to shreds so you got the swim group you probably got the runners sort of in the second and then the strong bikers in the third group and bikers come through smash the runners to pieces catch up with the swimmers maybe drag a few of them along ah oh, Bevan it's going to be awesome oh I'm going to finish with Joanna Baxis Joanne Baxis haven't heard from her in a while she's got Terenzo leading and winning she always loved Terenzo she's bloody fangirl that's what she is John anything else you want to add to this no, I think, as I said in last week's show, you know, my dream scenario on the men's race would be um, Brownlee, Fredino and Langer coming up Palani Hill, you know, around about halfway under the run, and they're still five minutes down on Sanders and Worth, having been sort of seven 
seven to eight minutes down uh, off the bike. So they've taken a bit of time out of them, but you know they've still got to work really, really hard in the second half of the marathon, and then uh, and then see who's got it in the last couple of k's. So that would be dream scenario. And like everybody said, you know, I, w- I want Reef to be absolutely on her top game, but I want to see her be challenged. But uh, we'll wait and see on that one. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I want Reef to get a here we go. I want Reef to get a puncher. <laughs> that's, uh, that's that's the only way we're gonna have an interesting race in that race. Okay, John, now you've already got next week's discussion, but we're putting this out after the race. So your discussion, unless you want to pull it up on Facebook, we'll put it up on Facebook tomorrow, maybe? Yep. Because we're gonna do this week's discussion next week, because we're this is we Oh no, no, we all know this week. Sorry, this week's discussion is your top three picks for Kona in both the male and female race, and one dark horse in the top five. Okay, so your top three picks in both the female and male race, and your dark horse for the top five in both the females and male race. Jumbo, let's do a sponsor. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Right, so if you go, uh, keep an eye out on uh, Extreme Endurance. I've got some new products coming out shortly, so I'd really cool. encourage you to um, follow them on Facebook and follow them on Instagram, or what, what do we call it now, the, the Gram these days? Oh, that's that's cool what the kids, kids call it, mate. Hashtag the Gram. Hashtag Graham. Uh, check out because they, they often do uh, little deals on there and uh, and obviously you'll keep me kept up to their, their, their latest news. Um but a lot of you I know will be, you know, we had the Berlin Marathon, what, two weeks ago? And we, we saw just, uh, just uh, Bikili just missing out on that. Two Google. seconds. Two seconds. Oh, um, it rips your undies. And I know that so you, some of you guys will be, you know, maybe doing some late season Ironmans in terms of uh, Florida and Arizona. Or you might be uh, getting ready for a late season marathon. So, look. This is going to take you to the next level. Get on the extreme endurance. Uh, really will help your doms, uh, help you sort of bounce back from that nice and quickly. So check it out on xendurance.com uh, and make sure you sign up to their Facebook page and their Instagram coverage because then you can keep abreast of any uh, little specials they sometimes have and uh, keep an eye out for their, uh, their upcoming news. There we go. So extreme endurance, guys. We get so much good feedback from you guys about it. If you want to kind of get that next level performance, check it out. Extreme endurance, the lactic buffer helps you train and perform at your highest level. Xendurance.com. Check it out. Jombo, we've got an interview coming up. Yep, first up we will have, uh, we'll go Joe Skipper first uh, because I know that I've uh, got that one in the bag and he's been over in Kona training. Uh, we know he's a crowd favourite and he's got some. Uh, he's got a really positive outlook on the race and I've intentionally not picked Joe for my top three or top five just because whenever I do that, they do really shit. <laughs> and, and so I didn't want to put him in there, but God, I'd love to see him absolutely caning it out there. So, so should your nickname be The Curse? John the Curse Newsom. Quite would be quite apt. I'm, I'm woeful at picking. I did pick the 70.3 winner this year, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of that, but I generally get this completely wrong. So, uh, you know what's probably going to happen? We won't even get a German in the top five. That's probably what's going to happen. But, Joe Skipper, go, go all the way. Okay, here's Joe Skipper right now. Righty ho team, um, one of our crowd favourites is uh, that you guys love hearing from. He had a fantastic race in Kona last year with the seventh place. Uh, is Joe Skipper? So welcome back onto the show, Joe. Thanks for having me, John. Great to be back as always. Um, <laughs> just before we started recording, you were sort of telling us where you're, where you're at and where you're sort of doing your final preparation for the race. So so give us a rundown on on what you've sort of done for this last period leading into the race and where you are. 
So I flew out to Maui, I think it was, about roughly about a week ago. Um, so I've been training out here since then, and then on this Saturday I'll uh, travel over to Kona, so a week in advance of the race, and yeah, just getting the last the finishing touches on over here. And um, I was saying to John just before we just before we start recording this about the heat index, what I've been looking at, and it has Maui as like two to three degrees warmer than uh, what Kona is, which is is good in a way because I'll, hopefully when you get to Kona it will feel uh, a bit nicer, a bit more pleasant. Well, that's hoping anyway. And then the bad bit is when every time you go out it feels horrendously hot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like hopefully it will pay off. So what, why did you choose Maui? Um, I was looking for places to train which were like similar conditions to Kona, either like you know a few degrees cooler, uh, ideally not really much hotter, and uh, but with other people to train with as well, other athletes, mm -hmm. and um, I couldn't really find anywhere apart from like it came down to basically the woodlands uh, in Texas, but I find the roads there are quite busy and it kind of put me off. Um, but then I did see there was a lot of athletes there and it seems quite good. So it was a, a toss-up between that. But then also, actually, another negative about the woodland was it was still quite a long flight to get to Kona. I, I don't mm. think there's one direct. I think you have, still have to fly to, like, L.A. and then obviously on to, to Kona or something similar to that. So I thought it's still quite a bit of travelling, which I didn't really want to do, like, a week out from the race. Um, and then Maui seemed like there was quite a few people over here. Um, to train with as well so I thought well that seems pretty good and then obviously a really short flight over mm. to Kona and uh, the, yeah the flights were pretty cheap to get to Maui as well a lot cheaper than going to Kona so it just seemed like a bit of a cheaper alternative with um, people to train with mm. and uh, yeah it, it seemed uh, pretty decent at the moment Sweet. last year I went to I went to San Diego last year but I found the roads were really busy out there yeah. Um and that kind of put me off, you know, because every time you go out, there's a lot of traffic lights and just really a lot of traffic for, for cycling, which I don't think is ideal, really. Yeah. So to tell us a bit about your year. It looks like, you know, from the outside, been a bit of a shitty year um, with with a running injury. Um, so sort of, sort of give us a, a rundown of your year and, and obviously your, your recent outing at Wales as well. Yeah, it's been uh, a lot of injuries, really, this year, which is... Uh, it's a bit frustrating uh, because I have been in probably my best form, like when I haven't had injuries that I've ever been in, but I just haven't had the results to, to show for it. So it's uh, it's quite frustrating. Then, um, so I'll start off from the start. So I was out in Australia um, for, for the winter training, and then raced Ironman Texas. And um, about a week out from Ironman Texas, I tweaked my back doing um, some some weights in the gym, um, and that had an effect because on the on the bike in the race it was really hard to put the power down like i really had to like suffer through that because i wanted to get a good result and i put a lot into it but it was so painful like from about an hour and a half two hours in yeah. um and in the last 30 minutes i think i averaged something like 200 watts which you know was absolutely horrendous for me but i just couldn't put the power out anymore you know on the bike got off the bike lost a lot of time toward it towards him like probably lost like a couple of minutes in the last half an hour you know alone um, and then ended up running my way into fourth place, which got me a Kona spot, but it was like, it could have been a lot better. And, you know, I didn't get any pain when I was running. It was just on the bike, lower back. You know, I don't know if, you, if you've felt it before, but I think when I was like first getting into cycling, you hadn't done a lot of uh, strength exercises or, you, you know, when you're pedaling, pushing the power for a long period of time, you know, right at the lower part of your back, yeah. and if you're in the aero bars, you can feel it, can't you? You know, after a while, like it starts to ache. 
it was like a really severe like muscle ache in my lower back on both sides and it was just like you, you just had to keep getting up standing up you know trying to anything to like loosen it up so yeah had that Le- um lesson learned there don't do you know don't risk it with gym stuff close to a race because it's just like risk to reward it just isn't worth it you know mm. it's just i guess that you learn stuff from every race don't you and you know i wouldn't bother doing any gym stuff now probably in the last two weeks because a week after that it was absolutely fine i knew it would be but i just run out of time i just yeah. tweaked it in the gym um and then after texas um did a lot of um like testing on the bike getting my equipment a bit better getting position a bit better uh and then raced um trying to think what it was was it I had I raced Samarin Challenge Championship, but had a shocker there. Just did, didn't feel very good, you know. No excuses, really. Just a bad day. And then two weeks later, I think I had Challenge Gerard Bergen. Had an absolutely brilliant race up until the start of the run, but I had a run injury that came on just before that, and I got off the bike in second place. Probably it was probably my best ever bike performance, you know, swim bike performance I've done in a seventy point three. And but couldn't run. It was the start of the injury what I had which I, I didn't really know because I only felt it come on on the Wednesday before the mm. race um, and then after that I thought well I won't ra- run anymore until the race you know and hopefully it'll be alright because you don't really know how serious an injury is do you when you first get it you think sometimes when you're training hard you think you know is it or when you're tapering you think is it just a little niggle you know it needs a few days of rest to, to clear up but as soon as I started that I could tell I was limping and then after about 2 or 3k I had to, I had to stop because I could I wasn't running properly and I thought I'm going to end up doing more damage if I can carry on. Um, and I was still in second place at the time when I had to, when I had to stop. Uh, so that was, a, that was frustrating. Um, and then that lingered with me for a very long period of time. Like that, in, I had that injury for about four, two and a half months. You know, that was like right at the start of June. And I think I wasn't back running until seven weeks ago. Yeah. Um, did Frankfurt, was going like really well there but then I couldn't run because um, because the injury so, I, so you know because Frankfurt was only two weeks after that and I didn't run anymore really from Gerardsburg and I booked everything to go to Frankfurt and with the, we saw the physios and from what the physios said they thought it was more of a muscle problem mm. so you kind of trying to be a bit optimistic but I knew that if I felt any pain on the run I was going to stop and you know not risk it and yeah when so I got off the bike in fourth place you know pretty decent but there wasn't i couldn't run i tried to go through transition and uh well to be honest the writing was on the wall at the start you know when we had to when we had to run in the water and when you had to get out of the water after the first like at the end of the swim going into transition i could really feel it and i kind of thought yeah it ain't gonna happen today you know there's no way i'm gonna be able to get around the marathon so after that i just completely rested it you know got an MRI scan on it as soon as I got back and that was I think Frankfurt was right at the end of June and I didn't run again until around the 10th or so of August like around that kind of time mm. I did a 12 hour time trial on the 5th of August actually. I saw that that was awesome yeah that because I needed something to train for because I, from when we saw the doctors they said that I wouldn't be racing Kona this year yeah like like they they said we, we, when I spoke to them and said like what what do you think my chances are racing Kona they were like it ain't gonna happen yeah and I was like mm, right <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they would have bought if I'd have told them I did an Ironman like in uh, four weeks after that um, <laughs> but yeah so on the tenth of August I, I, around that kind of time anyway like I I 
I started running. And I had to build it up slowly, you know, like I think my first runs were like a kilometre or a mile, you know, because like, you're so paranoid once you've been out for, for that period of time that you think like, I don't want to pick it up too soon or, you know, you're overanalyzing everything like, oh, is this, am I, am I feeling a bit of pain here? Do I need to, do, do I need to stop? You know, and it's, it's like until you get a few weeks under your belt, you're um, settle the nerves almost. You, you, you're not really, you're a bit worried about pushing it too soon. So, um, it must be going yeah. okay now. If you, you know, I saw in in Wales, you obviously um, you had bike issues uh, on the bike, uh, and then I didn't see your your finish, and I thought, what the hell's going on there? And then I saw your post afterwards that uh, you actually were our wanger of the week on the show, and then then I saw your run split, and I thought, huh? I didn't think he he did the run, and then I saw you'd actually run the run uh, despite uh, not going to be registering for the finish. So, so should, but by this stage, is it is it starting to feel okay and, and fairly normal? Yeah, again? yeah. Well, the funny thing is, my fitness came back so quick that after two weeks of running, I was hitting some really good times, like in speed work, like amazing, like um, so much quicker, you know. So, for instance, like I was doing my first steady runs, they're about eight minute mile and something like that, you know, seven fifty eight minute mile and five six mile runs. Um, and it felt horrendous, like I'd never run before in my life. And then, you know, within 10 days of doing that, I was doing uh, a fast break session, which I do, which is like 400 meters on. Um, and then a one minute jog recovery. Mm. I do that 10 times. And the average pace was like, like 5.18, 5.19 per mile, including the recoveries. Mm. Um, and that was within the space of like 10 days, two weeks, you know, I come back um, really, really quick. And then, so Wales was like, I ended it because for a couple of reasons, like I wanted to get a big uh, set, training session in. I wanted to get main thing was I wanted to get a long run in. I'd only run twenty k, twenty or twenty one k in training up until Wales, and I thought it would basically be a big catered training day. I get the training in, you know, I can push myself. I can get a, a swim start in, you know, that because you can't really simulate that in training. So I can practice swim. I can get a good hard bike session in, and um, a long run with just be like you know a catered training day and uh, if I see how the run goes there's no pressure to actually do the whole thing you know but if I do finish it and I feel good that will be my longest run before Kona you know I won't bother running over 20k you know because mm. I'd only run 20k up until that and I thought if it, if it goes the, work, the race goes well and I feel strong throughout the whole run there's no need to do any more than that mm. but I wouldn't want to go into Kona having only run 20k without you know uh, not knowing how it could go, do you know what I mean? Because mm. that, that's risky, isn't it? You know, if your long run's only 20k, you know, um, you, you, you want to know that you can kind of last the distance at a decent pace, don't you? Yeah, and how do you sort of bounce back from races? You know, we saw Cam Worth doing, a, you know, an absolute blitzing time in um, Italy, um, I think it was last week, the weekend before last, uh, you know, really, really close to, to Kona. Obviously, Wales is just a, a fraction further out than that. You know, how quickly do you and, and you expect, you know, your fellow pros to actually bounce back from a, from a solid effort in an Ironman? I think you recover pretty quick, to be honest, you know. When you look at the training, what you're doing as a pro, you're training 25, 30 hours a week, and there's a lot of intensity in it. Um, and, you know, some people are doing, like, four-hour bike rides, with a, you know, and then a two-hour run off the bike in training, in a training block, yet they'll think that doing an Ironman is re- absolutely ridiculous. It's like, you know, when I do the Ironman, I'm doing it fresh. I've, I've tapered for, like, you know, it took it easy for, like, seven or eight days leading into it. And, you know, the bike at Wales, which is meant to be a really tough course, it's only going to take me four, four hours, 35 four hours 40 you know of actual riding time which is nothing out of the ordinary i don't think anyone would think uh, that was overly excessive doing a four and a half hour ride four hour 40 ride um 
you know, in prep for an Ironman. And then, yeah, the run, two hours, 50 minutes. That's longer than what you'd normally do. But, you know, a lot of people would run two hours, wouldn't they? But then also, I'm going into this fresh, this race. So I'm like, I'm not depleted. I'm not in a bad state. You know, I'm feeling great when I go into it. Um, and then if you, like, focus on your recovery, you know, your nutrition and sleep, which people, like, massively underestimate, it's surprising how quick you can come, uh, recover, sorry. You know, like, after the race, I was making sure I ate great foods, really good for recovery, got my sleep in, didn't overdo it, you know, for, for a few days, listened to my body, and then by the by Wednesday, Thursday, I was feeling good, you know, I actually did uh, a fart leg run, I think, on the Wednesday or Thursday, and it was my second fastest I'd ever done, and I was holding back in it, mm. um, you know, it, yeah, this, it, 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 you know, because the TSS, I mean, what was I, I think for that bike ride, I was about, you know, 320 TSS, the run, God, 180, something mm. like that. So, you know, swim, it's probably a 520, 530 day TSS. But, you know, I have done hardly anything the days leading into it. And, you know, on a big training day, someone might knock out 350, 400 TSS, mightn't they? Mm. So, you know, as a pro, it's a bit, it's a bit more. It's a high, about 100, 120 more. So about, you know, two hours extra training than what you might do on a normal day. But that's not overly excessive when you compare it. But then when you look at an age group, someone who might only be training 12 hours a week and then they're going to do a 12-hour Ironman, that's their week's training in, in one day. And mm. they might even be doing the race at a higher intensity than what they train at. So it's it's different. Like, I think as an age group, you wouldn't want to do it. But I think if you're training 25, 30 hours a week with a lot of intensity, it's surprising how quick you can actually recover from something like that. Nice. So, so last year, you know, you got seventh. It was a good breakthrough for you in terms of your Kona performances. Um, what made the difference for you having a, having a great day over there? Um, well, I don't think it was that great a day. I think I just had a good swim, a really good swim. Um, the bike was, like, not that hard. Like, I'd done this similar power in quite a few races this year. And the run, I just struggled in the run, to be honest, John, you mm. know. If I could actually run well in the heat, I'd do a hell of a lot better than seventh place. Put it that way. Uh, yeah. But you know, because you know, I'm running. I ran a two fifty four there, which for me is a really slow marathon. You know, compared, yeah. and if you look at my drop off in the marathons compared to what what I would do in like uh, conditions in Europe, to compared to conditions in Kona, I, I drop off a lot more than what other people do. Like I'm losing like 12, 13 minutes. Whereas a lot of people are only running like three to six minutes slower, you know, and something like that. So, so, so for me, like, it's, it's just the battle. I had to just pace. To be honest, I just paced it well. I just wanted to get a solid result on the board, you know, for my third time. Because I've been there twice. The first time was okay, you know, 13 was a debut. You kind of got a taste of it. And it wasn't an explosion, but it wasn't a really good result. But it kind of gave you a taste of what the race was like. Yeah. Second time, went there, had a shit race miles down can't even remember where I finished uh, so I went there back the third time and I was like right I just need to get a top 10 on the board to tick it off before yeah. I try and aim for something better because I find like you can't aim for something like a top 5 if you've never been top 10 before it's mm. just too much you know you need to just get something on the board to to have an idea of what it's like and then to, to progress from don't you mm. you know if you've, if you've blown up there when you've been so it was just an average day, really. It was. I had a really good swim, though, for me. For me, that was a really good swim, and that kind of set me up for it. But the bike and the run were nothing really to write home about. Mm. And um, if I have a swim like I did last year, this year, then I think I'd do a really good result because my race at Wales, which I was using as prep, I averaged up until when I punched it, but that was like three hours 20 in. You know, I only had 70 minutes left, and I was feeling great anyway. 
I was 27 watts higher than what I averaged in Kona. Nice. So, and that's average power. Normalized power was probably like 30, over 30, 35 watts higher, yeah. which is huge. That's that's 10 percent increase, isn't it? Really? Yeah. You know, that's absolutely massive. So it shows that my form, and it was, and that's compared to my best one. So when I did the course records at Ironman New Zealand 420 bike. I was 27 watts less than what I was doing in Wales. Average power, not normalised. And Wales is a bloody hilly course as well, so there's yeah. a lot of way you're just tucking in error, you know, not pedalling. And my position's probably quicker now than what it was when I did New Zealand. So that just shows, you know, like the form's there, the position's there. If I get, in, get out of the water in a good position and then have a decent run as well, could be a good good day for me. Hopefully. Nice. Did it, did, in terms of getting seventh last year, did it make much difference to you in terms of your you know, your earning capacity or sponsors, you know, you've won Ironman races and, and done really well and lots of others, but often people look at Kona. So did it, other than obviously getting the payday for seventh place, did it, has it made much difference for you? Not really, no, yeah. because a lot of my sponsors I had two-year deals with anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so, so like, I couldn't really, it wouldn't have really made any difference. And, you know, seventh is all right, but it's just one top ten, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I think to get it to, to really pay off, you need to get like two or three times in the top ten because anyone can like say fluke it once and get a top ten, but it doesn't show that you're a you're not a top ten racer if you've done it once. I you know you're a top ten racer if you've done it two or three times, haven't you? In within the space of like you know two to four years. So um, you know if I did it again this year and I was like say right up there, then I think that would have a big impact. But I mean like it, a lot of people would say a lot of people was, were really amazed. You know that I was like top ten, and like they put a lot of emphasis on it. But for me, you know, I want to go back and I want to do do better than top ten. That was just ticking a box, really. Like you know, I'm mm. like, pleased that I managed to not blow up and I got a solid result, but it hasn't really made any difference to be honest. So what, what are you? You know, you've, you've been there a few times now. Um, what do you, what do you like about the race in Kona, and and what gives you the shits about the race? The heat gives me the shits about the race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, running, thinking about running. Long McQueen K, uh, God, yeah, that gives me the shits about it. But I like it because all the top guys are there, and I like it that in the pro race they're really strict on drafting as well. So, you know, people, you can't like in some races. What I do is really frustrating when you've got an out and back, and you see like the guys in the lead packer tucked in behind a moped or a motorbike, you know, three or four meters behind it, and they're just getting mud paced off the front, and then you see guys in a chase pack five meters behind. Yeah. So I really like it in Canada that, you know, the, the vehicles are far enough ahead that they're not influencing the race and they're really strict on the drafting, which makes it a fairer race. You know, I mean, obviously in the age group race, like you do see some pelotons and stuff like that, but in the pro race, I think it's generally a lot, quite a fair race. And because there's only 50 of us out on the course at the same time, it's quite easy for them to, to monitor it. So I, I like that aspect about it. Um, yeah. And also that everyone's there on the day that matters, aren't they? You know, like if if you if you get a good result there, it's like you're racing against the best people on the day when everyone's aiming to be in peak form. So no one, you can't have any excuses. People can't say, you know, so and so wasn't there or so and so didn't do this. That, that that's the day, that's when it counts, isn't it? You know, like other races throughout the year, you know, people might get there in ninety percent, but everyone's getting to Kona in hundred percent. Mm. 
Fantastic. So I, I saw a comment you put on our Facebook page a while ago. Um, somebody was talking about Fredino saying, you know, he's unbeatable if he's on a, on his best day. And you actually came back and said, no, I think he's actually got some weaknesses. So do, how do you sort of look at the, the top guys? You know, do you, do you look at them and think, you know, I've, I've got their measure here, I've got their measure there. And, and do you think yeah. Frodo's there for the taking? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, you've got to look at your, your opponent's strengths and weaknesses, you know, and otherwise, if you don't look at it, you, you don't, you, you won't race the race to the best of your ability to get the result because it's not about getting from A to B as far, you know, necessarily as fast as possible. Is it? You know, if you're towing someone along, who's going to beat, you know, like there's no point me getting off the bike with Patrick Lang, is there? If I want to, if I want to try and win, win the race or certainly beat him because he's proven he's a 239, 240 marathoner. So you'd know that you have to try and drop him on the bike, you know, and the same with other people. You have to look at their strengths and weaknesses, and I think you know you look at Fredino, who's a great swimmer, he's front pack. The bike, I think, even if you look a couple of years ago, I think Sanders and uh, Cameron Worth, I think it might have been 2017, was it? Mm. They uh, picked the pace up, and I think he fell off the pace a bit. I don't think yeah. he, you know, you you don't let people get off the bike two or three minutes ahead of you if you can help it. And for him, if he had got off the bike with Cameron Worth or Sanders, he would have been quit in, wouldn't he? To win, you'd you know you'd. Yeah. You bet on him running quicker than Sanders and definitely Cameron Work. So, you know, I think he got dropped a bit on the bike. And then uh, on the run, he's been around a 245, 247 marathoner. So, you know, you, you weigh it up in your head and you think, well, can I run quicker than 245? If it's a yes, then you think, well, you know, I can, I'm, I'll take my, take my chances, you know, and I might, I'm, I might, you know, have a run against him. If you don't think that, then you know you've got to try and put the effort in on the bike and you've got to kind of gap, gap them, don't you? And you look at that with, every, you know, with everyone and then there's people who you might want to have an alliance with you know if I could get out of the water similar to Cameron Worth and I can like try and stay with him on the bike then that suits my game plan massively because you know I, I wouldn't back myself in the heat running and I think you know there's no problem me, me, me saying that because all anyone's got to do is look at my uh, track history encoder and you can see that I don't run as quick in hot and humid conditions so for me my biggest my strength would be working hard on the bike getting a decent gap or putting myself in a good position and then running you know strong through, through to the end yeah. and yeah you just look at I just look at all the people in, in the race and you know to be honest I know what their strengths and weaknesses are you know you see them all throughout the year over years and I follow the races anyway even when I'm not there so I know what people's strengths and weaknesses are and I know how like what I need to do to try and to, to beat them so do, do you going are you going into this race obviously you said you want to do better but do you have visions of you winning the race this year or are you still looking at just trying to build and, and, and obviously do the best you can or how, how, how big a deal is is winning in terms of your, yeah, your, 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 the amount of focus you're putting into the race. Yeah, like, I, I want to do the best I can. I know my game plan is that hopefully, if I could have a swim like last year, I'd be over the moon. That would set me up really good. And then to get stuck in on the bike, and ideally, I'd like to uh, go with Cameron Worth, and then you know, see see what happens on the run, see what position I get off. But I mean, you can, uh, it's picking a position like that without before the race has even started is quite a hard thing to do because you never know how everyone's going but I kind of like play it by ear and when you're in the race you see who's around you who's up ahead and that, that's what forms my tactics you know because the, it's hard to plan a tactic without actually having the race started if you know what I mean because there's mm. so many different ways to plan out you know if I have a good swim like, like last year for me or if I have a bad swim and I'm like say three minutes behind that group last year my tactics are completely different aren't they mm. so um, you know I just want to have a good swim try and get out on the bike with work and then if I can stay with him then uh, I know that will set me up and that will be the, kind of like the, my, my perfect game plan really and then get off on the bike and off the bike onto the run and 
just give it my best and see what see what happens, you know. But I'll I'll certainly be giving it one hundred percent, and whatever comes of that will will come of it. Fantastic. Anything, anything else coming up? I know, I know I saw you posting on Facebook. Um, you do you were doing a camp somewhere. Um, so anything you you want to get out there in terms of anything you're doing with sponsors or or any any other news in, in Joe Skipper world? Yeah, so I'm doing an end of season triathlon camp in Italy, uh, which is just like four weeks. It's uh, around where San Remo is, so the end of like the Milan San Remo bike uh, bike race, and uh, it's just four days, like a bit of fun, you know, doing some cycling, some running of end of season you know having a few drinks in the evening and uh, things like that and um, yeah just having a really good fun end of season time and if, if anyone wants any tips for training over the winter or you know for in for races obviously like I'm there to help and give people tips and yeah just have a good fun time really so there's a link to that on my on my Instagram I think it was like I posted something up two three posts ago cool. which uh, you can see and uh, yeah I can I can send people a link if they if they were I think to be honest actually in my bio on Instagram, if you click on the link, you can find out more information. And um, with regards to other races as well, I've, I've entered Ironman Florida for after Kona. Cool. But 50 50 is the whether I'll do that. Like, I'll, I'll see how I recover after Kona and then I'll make a decision. But, you know, you have to enter three weeks in advance. So I have to enter now to give myself the option of potentially doing that. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, no, we love, we love uh, talking to you, Joe, and uh, disappointed that we won't be there at the finish line to get your post-race reactions because you're always gold and um, looking forward to tracking you on race day and kick some butt. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, really appreciate um, you getting me on the show for an, for an interview and uh, hopefully I'll see some of you guys, some of your uh, guys out in the racing. Okay, let's write that down. Okay, good. Okay, John, uh, that's Joe Skipper. We're going to get straight into our next interview, interview-packed show. Who have we got up? We have got uh, Imogene Simons. If, uh, hopefully everything has gone well and I've managed to hook up with her. Uh, so she's a 26-year-old pro from Switzerland. Um, she's spent a bit of time living in Hong Kong in her youth. Uh, and I think she now, I think, and we'll find out this during the interview, I think she's training under Jürgen Zak out of Phuket. Oh, great. Uh, when I do this interview, I think she's in Texas. So she's a bit of a nomad all over the place. Now, um, I was going to get her on a while ago and uh, and just fell through for whatever reason. And because Volker, Volker, the Vascular Viking Boyk, he said, you've got to get her on. And this was, I think, after her second place at Ironman Frankfurt um, and then didn't. And then she went up and she just crushed it uh, at the 70.3 Worlds and got third place and just looked strong all day. So looking forward to seeing what she has to say. Okay, here she is right now. Right, guys, you heard in the intro a little bit about uh, our next guest, Imogene Simons. Uh, she absolutely cranked it at the 70.3 Worlds, as uh, as you, a lot of you guys saw online in Nice, uh, finished in third place there, and has had a string of other sort of podium places, uh, especially through Asia, and second at Ironman Frankfurt, good old... Um, the, the the vascular Viking, um, Mr. Voigt told us about Imogene. I think she he trained with you out in uh, Thailand, maybe. So Imogene, maybe just give us a bit of a, a one minute summary of your sort of athletic career up to this point. Uh, I'm guessing this has got to be all about triathlon, but um, I actually didn't start triathlon itself until I was about 21, um, and I'm 26 now, so pretty relatively short time I guess in the sport um I swam as a kid um I was uh born and grew up in Hong Kong so swimming was just kind of second nature there in such a hot climate and carried on swimming 
and then I um, uh, until my teens, and then I discovered team sports, which were a lot more sociable, a lot more fun, and played lacrosse uh, to university level um, until I was 21, when I decided I wanted a bit more of an athletic challenge, and I started running, and then um, suddenly got roped into a duathlon, and then a triathlon, and here I am now. Nice. I guess. <laughs> so you brought up in Hong Kong. Did you do all your schooling in Hong Kong, or were you? Uh, and I know you raced for Switzerland, and you speak with a very good English voice. So where, where did you sort of do all your schooling, and what have you? Uh, okay, so yeah, I was. Uh, I went to a, a, a bilingual school, a bilingual Chinese English school in Hong Kong, um, until I was nine, and then I went, and then we moved to Geneva, and I was thrown into a French school. Um, until I was 12 and then I went to a uh, boarding school in England um, uh, as a sports scholar until uh, I was yeah until I went I did through to the end of IB and then um, carried on studying in England after that very nice and now are you based in Phuket so I kind of I, I'm 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 formally based in Switzerland um uh, and I have Swiss nationality through having lived there for the majority of, for the vast majority of my life. Mm. Um, and I race for Switzerland because that's home to me. Mm. Um, I train out in Phuket a fair amount as that's where my coach Jürgen Zak and his training group Z Coaching Phuket is based. Mm. And it's great fun and really good training. Um, but for instance, this summer I've been racing a lot. Uh, I've been racing a lot in Europe um, and I've been training in Germany through Switzerland. And yeah, so I guess it's kind of the nomadic life of the triathlete nice. carries on. <laughs> so you've had some, some really wicked results, you know, um, sixth last year at 70.3 Worlds, um, and then, as I said, you know, first or second in most of your 70.3s uh, this year and, and in Kona. Uh, I, sp- I suppose you're still, you know, really new to the sport, but when you're at 70.3 Worlds, you know, riding along with Daniela Reef and uh, keeping pace with her certainly early on, what was sort of going through your mind? Um... Well, I kind of tried not to think too much about the situation because I knew that would freak me out a bit mm-hmm. um, to be up there with riding with those girls. But I knew uh, I'd been training for most of July in Samaritz and then the rest in August build through in Geneva, which is just as mountainous really. So I knew that uh, I'd been training with a few guys. I've trained a bit with Patrick Langer and stuff and I knew that my climbing wasn't too shabby yeah. and uh i guess that showed on the day and yeah my descending skills are still something to work on but um i didn't really want to take too many risks on the day considering yeah i got kona f- rookie kona trip to go so yeah so what, what have you been told about kona so far oh no back to the 70.3 world sorry we 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 expecting to sort of or hoping to sort of be in the top three top five or was it a bit of a shock for you to be fair, it was a bit of a shock. Um, I seen the start list and there were some seriously strong girls on there. And I was like, I was doubting whether I should even go to Nice. I'm pretty tall compared to most of the girls. And mm. I was like, oh my gosh, my power to weight ratio is going to play against me big time. But um, for whatever reason, he'll seem to suit me. And uh, yeah, I had, a, had an awesome day. Um, and 
things worked out. I, yeah, Lucy Charles getting the penalty that changed the dynamic of the race up quite a bit, I guess. Um, but you never know what's going to happen on the day and you just got to race the race that's there yeah. in front of you. So, yeah. Was it was it tricky in the and obviously Lucy Charles got the penalty and from the outside you, we did, I didn't actually see when she got it um, in terms of actually when the card was shown was it pretty tricky in those circumstances to sort of be trying to ride legally legal when you're going up and down hills and there's lots of sort of different changes in pace. Um, yeah, I found it quite tricky. I think a lot of I think actually because uh, the girls fields aren't normally that deep I think part of the trickiness was that a lot of girls weren't used to riding in such a big pack really yeah. um, they used to all the girls who are out the front were used to always being out the front on their own and never having to deal with all the the rules and stuff um, and along with that we had a lot of motorbikes with us which mm. kind of got a bit in the way in certain points uh, it's hard when the roads are quite narrow especially up the top of the coal actually I think one bike one motorbike fell behind us which was really? <laughs> yeah <laughs> I had a huge bang I was like oh my gosh no not a rider and I looked back and there was two guys jumping off a motorbike on the floor so mm. um, yeah technical for everyone I guess <laughs> yeah so when it, when it, it was, when it comes to your Ironman side of things, um, obviously second at Frankfurt, which is awesome. Um, I don't know in terms of whether you had any, whether that was your first Ironman. I, on the list that I was looking at, I couldn't see another one, but maybe you did one as an age grouper. So was that your first Ironman? Yes, yeah, that was my first Ironman. And did it go according to plan? Mm, I think I started a bit hard on the bike. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, um, the swim was great. It started off really well. Um, I was pleased to make that group, um, three of us coming out the water together. And then uh, everything got a bit muddled coming out of transition. I think Sarah True lost a shoe or something, and suddenly I found myself out on the front and uh, and struggling to hold myself back. It was very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remembered after one lap that I had another lap to go and I uh, held it back a bit, and the girls caught me towards the end of the um, the end of the second loop. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I knew that the run was completely uncharted territory for me, so I uh, so I played it safe, and I guess that kind of paid off on the day because it was scorching hot, thirty eight degrees when we finished mm. dry. But still, um, there were people just dropping out like flies along on the when I got to the third, fourth loop. It was like, okay, this is just a survival game, and mm. I guess that kind of turned out what like it turned out to be that way in a way. Mm. Um, with uh, yeah. Ah, awesome. So looking looking ahead to Kona, obviously, Jürgen, I'm sure, has told you many a story and, and other athletes <laughs> have uh, probably told you plenty as well. So what, what have you sort of, what's, what's sticking in your mind in terms of what people have told you thus far in terms of what you should be expecting and maybe what's giving you the, the craps and, and what are you really looking forward to? Um, uh, I'm looking forward to the food and the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm excited to see swimming again. I haven't um, been swimming in the sea since, well, Nice, but then, uh, but like proper, a few swim training in Phuket, we train quite a lot in the sea. Um, So I'm actually excited to do that. Hopefully not get stung by jellyfish. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, 
honestly just kind of see what it's all about I've heard so many stories and had so many warnings and pieces of advice that I think I'm just kind of ready to get it done um but yeah need a few days rest first and what are your expectations in terms of uh performance and placings etc or are you just gonna see what happens if I'm honest I haven't really like given like I haven't really set myself too many expectations um I've just heard so much about and I've seen so many videos of people struggling to finish that finishing would be is certainly goal number one um and finishing in a certain amount of style hopefully <laughs> um but uh I'd like to I'd, it's I guess a more like personal objective rather than uh setting myself up and comparing myself to other people mm. um like trying to feel feel good on the marathon rather than like it be a game of survival, which mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll turn into eventually. But yeah, cool. And what is um just with regards to Jurgen Zach, the way that he sort of coaches you guys? You know, we haven't spoken to too many people that have sort of come out of his uh, stable of athletes. So, um, you know, knowing what you maybe know about other training groups and the way other people train, what what is sort of the way that you do things maybe a little bit differently. I know you probably don't want to give away all the trade secrets, but, but what, are, what, are, what are some of the things that he gets you doing that maybe are a little bit out of the box? Um, uh, he's, um, I guess, in terms of training specifics, he's very set on um, uh, like discipline-related strength building. So... Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily doing a lot of a huge amount of gym work, but like a lot of using the bike for a lot of strength work, um, like lots of cadence work, uh, hill repeats on the run. Um, but I think the one thing that makes me that, that I, I just love about the training out there is that it's fun and that it's, mm. it's serious when it needs to be serious, but, um, it's a very social group as well. We'll have meals out and, um, Monday night karaoke is Jürgen special. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, rem I remember meeting him uh, one year when I did the the Laguna Phuket uh, triathlon, and um, yeah, he does like to get amongst it. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there anybody else in the group um, that's going to be racing Kona uh, in terms of pros or, or other age uh, groupers? In terms of pros this year, no. Um, but there are, there are a few, there are quite a few age groupers that have qualified, so nice. it'll be cool to see them all. Um, but yeah. Um, what else did I have for you? Uh, in terms of, oh, what, what do you think is going to happen in the boys race and do, do you follow the, the boys very closely? <laughs> well, it's hard not to follow them. I've been training with a few of them out here in Texas. Um, but, uh, I think I think there's there are a lot of unknowns in the game um, this year. Certainly, with people such as Ali Brownlee coming in, and the pace on the the swim is going to be a whole other thing. So it'll be interesting how the the long course specialists who might not necessarily have the swim under their belt, um, how how that affects them because that could really that I think will I think the swim will have a huge change in dynamic on the overall race and potentially on the overall outcome nice. um but yeah and, I'd be excited uh, to 
I'm sad I can't watch it, to be honest. I know. They need to do the old uh, the Nice format and have it spread over two days. That's never going to happen in Kona, as you'll probably uh, come to appreciate once you get out there. But um, that would be, would, would, would be good for you females to be able to watch the boys say, the next day. I have to say, uh, in Nice, that's one thing that I was very, like, relieved about, in fact, um, was the fact that it was a two-day event. I thought that was really fantastic, um, especially for women's racing. Yeah. We had so much support out on the course. It was amazing. Um, all the guys, all the families were out. And um, and I think it really gave the, the female pros their, their own race mm-hmm. and also their own media coverage, which as a female pro is kind of essential to your livelihood. Mm. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Excellent. So what's, what's the plan for you? Sort of, uh, obviously, you know, all eyes will be on next weekend, but, you know, what's when, when you sort of started this gig and you've sort of developed into, you know, top, top pro in a, in a pretty short amount of time, what was your sort of uh, goals earlier on How the, and how those sort of goalposts moved and, and what is the sort of the long-term future looking like for you? Um, I guess at the moment I'm kind of... Uh, in between 70.3 and full Ironman racing. And um, I, it's it's quite an enjoyable balance training for both. It means that your, your training's pretty mixed up. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't get boring, should we say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think looking into the future, uh, I, I mean, I've only done one Ironman, so yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it's a bit early to, to really – to really say whether it's my thing or not. But, I mean, I certainly enjoyed racing in Frankfurt. It was an incredible race and such a fun atmosphere um, that hopefully there are a few more of those on the cards for me to to do and hone in on and realise that I don't need to attack the bike in quite such an aggressive way as I did. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be into one. Awesome. Now, we loved seeing you um, cranking it up in, at 70.3 Worlds. It was uh, a pleasure to see you mixing it up there and keeping keeping the foot down and uh, making the others really work for it. So it's awesome to see, and we'll always look forward to seeing you debutants in Kona, you know, the likes of yourself, Ali Brownlee, uh, Cody Beals, a bunch of others as well. So it's going to be good times watching. So all the best with your race, and uh, we look forward to seeing uh, seeing maybe the first ever female um, outside of Chrissy Wellington, I think, think to, to to win the race on debut no pressure <laughs> that's a very optimistic outlook <laughs> thank you for believing <laughs> no worries awesome thanks so much for your time all the best thank you and john we've got one more interview in an interview back kona super special and it's the legend that is thorsten is on the show thorsten rad from tryrating.com breaking down all things iron man kona here he is right now Okay, guys, um, for new listeners, you may not have heard of uh, Torsten Rad before. He is the author of tryrating.com, which is my one-stop shop and hopefully lots of other people's one-stop shop for finding out what's going on and what's coming up uh, with regards to pro racing and, and how they rate and how different events compare. And every year he comes up with the amazing uh, tri-rating report for Kona. Uh, this year it looks like 157 pages uh, packed full of information and statistics uh, on what the pros uh, are like in terms of their performances this year, um, historical data, looking at last year, predicting this year. Uh, it's basically everything you need to know about the pro race in Kona. So welcome back to the show, Torsten. 
Thanks for having me again, John. Always happy to chat Kona and always happy to chat pro racing. So uh, good to be back. So what's what's the year look like for you in terms of, uh, you know, have you been to many events or just, just sort of, I know you, you can always go to Hamburg, but have you you've been around the traps very much? Yeah, I tried. I mean, uh, just just sitting at the computer and looking at the data and maybe following a few of the live um, Facebook shows or so where um, the, the races are uh, shown live on, on the stream. Uh, that's part of the fun. But um, actually going out to the race sites, meeting people, talking to the pros in person, um, that's always something that I uh, enjoy even a bit more than just sitting at my computer. So I try to go to the races um, as much as I can, being based in Germany. Um, I at least get to do the German races. Uh, Hamburg is basically a 30-minute train ride for me. So uh, mm. if uh, things work out with vacation and so on, that's always one thing. Then uh, Frankfurt and or Ruth, uh, depending on where that falls in the year. So next year will be a tricky one for me because all three of these races will be uh, three weekends after each other. So Hamburg, mm -hmm. uh, one week later is Frankfurt, one week later is uh, Ruth. And I'm not sure if I'm going to do all three of them or um, if I get three consecutive weekends off from home here. Yes. <laughs> so that was one. And then I did um, Challenge Almere, which is a five-hour drive for me. Um, did some some stuff there to cover the race, do uh, some work in the live commentary. So that was a lot of fun. And it's, I mean, it's a smaller race per se, but even that has more than 1,500 um, starters there. They had a half-distance race there. Um, this year it was European Long Distance Championships, and next year it's going to be the World Long Distance uh, Championships. Um, and they're, they're going to be contesting that not over the traditional long distance um, distances, uh, the, the niche distance uh, for 12030, I think it was, mm. um, but uh, the regular Ironman distance, which is the one that was always being done in, in uh, Almere. Mm. So that, that was the races this year. And yeah, unfortunately, no Kona for me. It's just a very, very long trip for me. Kona's expensive. The flights are expensive. And it's taking days off from work. Yeah. Um, it's just not in the cards for me. And I guess that's the problem everyone has there, that unless you can make a really good uh, business case that you have to be there, then if you have to pay it out of your own pocket, it's... Uh, Unfortunately, a very expensive proposition. Yeah, it, I mean, um, I've, I've said it on a number of occasions on the show. You know, I think for the for the commentators um, who, who do a, do a great job with the information that I've got there, and whether this be at seventy point three worlds, at worlds, at Ironman coverage, you know, having your report or your stats there is, um, I think, would be invaluable. Have, have you ever had any approaches from Ironman to do anything? Or I know you do some sort of work with the um, with Challenge on and off and stuff. So what? what where, where else is this sort of uh, try rating reporting sort of taking you? <laughs> well, I mean, I try to to uh, be in touch with as many people as possible and to share as much of the data um, that I have with them that to make their job easier. Because I think if we make triathlon more attractive as a sport and and the live shows that they do are certainly part of of helping there. Um, the better those shows are, uh, the more attractive the sport will be and the bigger the the pie will be that, that we can all share. So I, I don't have a problem at all in, in sharing the data. And I'm regular uh, contact with the uh, with the team who does the Ironman coverage. I'm I'm regular uh, email contact with, with the people who do challenge events and so on. Uh, sometimes I'm I'm helping them behind the scenes um, for Summerine. I was doing uh, text updates to them and and pointing out things that might be interesting for them. Mm. Um, but, but I mean, the, the people who do the Kona coverage, uh, Michael uh, Lovato's got the, got the report. He's always asking for uh, the, the data behind the report as well, because then they have all the 
the uh, race results from the uh, athletes racing there, the, their PRs and so on at, a, at their fingertips. And I guess the feedback that I get from him is very positive. Um, yeah, it's just not just not helping me pay my bills, but mm. uh, maybe that's a long-term thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 I wish they would. You do a great job. Um, so in terms of this year's report, you know, um, for people that haven't seen it before, maybe just give us a, a brief overview of um, what people can expect inside your sort of Kona report and whether or not you've got anything new in there this year. Yeah, I mean, the the way the report works is um, I uh, produce it, um, try to release it two or three weeks. Uh, this this year, I nearly managed to get it three weeks out before the Kona race. Um, it's available through tryrating.com, through, through my website. You can download it for free, but um, let's say donations are encouraged and much appreciated. Mm. Um, and usually there's a lot of people that do donate. Um, so um, I, I've never had to make a decision whether to just offer it for a for a fixed price or a minimum price or something like that because it it, it always worked out well. Mm. From a content perspective, um, there's a lot of um, things that you already mentioned that pretty much stay similar or at least the same theme from year to year. Uh, looking back to the previous race results, uh, course description that is based on on something that you did on one of the podcasts a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, a course records, um, um, a look at the start list, um, how qualifying went, and then a long section on predictions, how, what I think um, where each athlete's strengths and weaknesses are, um, either expressed in time or as a star system. Um, then uh, some some yeah ideas of how I think the race might develop and who the main players uh, in the race are going to be. And then details pretty much on, on almost every one of the athletes racing there. Um, I always run out of time because I, I would love to be in touch with everyone uh, in the pro fields, um, get their ideas. But, um, yeah, it's just, just not possible for me to do that mm. in time before Kona. So there's always a, a couple of athletes that I say, well, I really would have liked to talk to her about <coughs> what, what she expects for the race or uh, what he thinks his, his position the race is going to be. But yeah, that's just the way it is uh, often. Mm. Um, new stuff this year, I mean, um, with the new qualifying system that we've had for pro qualifying this year, the slot-based system compared to the old uh, points system that we had in previous years, I did a lot, uh, comparison between these two systems and how maybe the field might have been different if we still had the point system. Mm. Um, and I had a, a pretty much longer look at um fastest times um there was a bunch of new records uh, last year so what i uh included instead of just listing the fastest times there is just go how did uh, the course records uh develop over the years in in kona from the earliest um six hour 30 bike ride i think was the first bike course record uh mm -hmm. down to the 409 from camworth and that across all the legs uh overall and for men and women so those are things that i had a bit more um, closer look at uh, for this year, but I mean, yeah, just just speaking to the athletes, uh, a lot of athletes are regular uh, participants in the race, but there's always uh, new athletes coming up that maybe didn't plan to qualify for Kona and just ended up with the slot, or that were working hard for years and years to get the slot and finally managed it. So there's always um, new athletes to speak to, new perspectives to gain. And it's really interesting to to talk to not just the top three that are looking for the win, but also those that um, yeah, are just happy to be able to race there as a pro and their perspective on, I mean, why, why does someone who maybe can finish 20th in the pro race um, virtually be assured of not making any money in Kona? Why, why does someone like, like that um, 
try to qualify for Kona and and, and then race Kona um, because after all it, it'll just be money down the drain for them mm-hmm. uh, what motivates them to to go to Kona and I think there's a lot of interesting perspectives from the different athletes and the different levels in there oh totally I think that's a fantastic question you, you ask because yeah I think a lot of people sometimes sit there scratching their heads especially people who have been to Kona and know how difficult it is to make the top 10 and and if you're you know if you're not a legitimate top 10 contender and but you've been there before, you know, um, I think a lot of people would be asking the points. So get on there, guys, and have, have a read through, and you can find out for yourself. I'm always uh, always like pinging questions over to you on uh, things <laughs> that, that come to mind. And one, one of the ones that I, that I am interested in is if there's any sort of correlation between um, Kona performances uh, and what we kind of see during the season. And I kind of said to you, maybe take out the, not the outliers, but those really dominant athletes. You know, Daniela Reef can seem to win at any stage of the season um, wherever she is and so I think that's kind of booted that theory that if you're winning in in July it's really difficult to win in October and and others like Frodo have have sort of proven that that you can do both but I was more interested in in sort of probably expanding that out a bit and and seeing you know for for those other athletes that are maybe in positions sort of 3 through 10 or um, you know is there much of a correlation between the form we see them during the season and then what they're able to produce in um, in October. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a really tricky question because with the amount of um, Ironman races that we have across the season, uh, you basically have twenty five or, or thirty uh, pro Ironman winners lining up in Kona, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of uh, of how the season went for them, and it's really hard to um, you know evaluate. Has that been a stellar performance, especially if you look at slow courses, fast courses, and so on? So that that's one side that makes it really tricky. Um, to me, the best indication of what you're able to do in Kona is not necessarily uh, the season before, uh, but have you been able to do well in Kona before? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's the bigger um, decider there. And it, I mean, it, I, I looked at the Kona winners and basically everyone who has won Kona has been uh, either in the top three of the year before or is a ha- has won the race uh, one or two years before that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that, that's that's the thing that that's pretty much the decisive thing about Kona. Have you been able to do well there? Do you know what it takes to do well in Kona again? And then it doesn't really matter all that much how your season has has gone uh the immediate year before i mean obviously if you're if you're injured the whole year and you barely qualify like like lionel sanders then there's a big question mark around that um but people that haven't been doing well um the year uh still managed to do well i mean take take um david mcnamee last year he had uh, he did Austria, uh, basically just to validate his slot. He finished 15th there, had a horrible marathon there, uh, and was still able to run really well in Kona and run his way from, I don't know how, how far back he was after the bike, 25 <clears> minutes or so, uh, onto the podium. But if you go through the list, you always see that um, almost everyone in the top 10 there will have either uh, won an Ironman or has done really well uh, over the season, I mean, with the big races, sometimes a second or a third is 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 a good result as well. And even if you look at someone like Patrick Lange, who was 
uh, the winner last year, he didn't have a good 2018 season. Uh, he was only, uh, quote-unquote, uh, third in Frankfurt, <laughs> mm. um, which is still uh, a good result by any measure, but n maybe not just the winning winning race that he might have been looking for. Um, this year as 11th is another question again, but um, it's not necessarily um, how you've... Um, performed in in the year leading in, into Kona it's more how how well how much experience do you have in Kona and how well has your build been uh for the Kona race and mm. I guess we'll see this year if Patrick's going to uh, have another stellar race in, in Kona again even if the results across the season maybe we're not quite at the level that he was looking for yeah, I'm not sure if it still does hold, and you may may or may not know the answer to this, but I seem to recall that I think Luke Van Laird is the only male that's ever won the race uh, on debut or having or, or out of anybody not being in the top uh, three in in previous years. I'm not sure if that yeah, still holds there, or not. There's two. Uh, Luke Van Laird is, is is the one that was in the 19. 90s i think yeah. 96 or 97 and the other one is, is uh, chrissy wellington in 2007 who won mm. um uh on debut in kona and also uh i think as far as i know she's the only one at least in the in the modern area so to speak um that has won kona while still racing uh in august mm. uh, a full distance race so uh, a lot of people um it, it used to be that um People said you can't do well in the summer or be fit in July and be fit in October. I guess uh, the, the modern times have shown that that's uh, definitely possible. So if you look at, at Frodo or Sebi or Patrick or uh, Daniela and Chrissy, all, all the years that, that they were winning the races, they were all doing really well over the summer, uh, winning either in Frankfurt or in um, in Roth or in similar races like Austria or or some somewhere around that time frame. So July racing and October racing definitely possible. Um, later, yeah, that, that that's where things become a bit trickier. <laughs> and that, that was going to be my next question because we've seen Cam Worth, uh, you know, absolutely crush it in Italy a few weeks ago, and um, you know, we've seen other athletes like Matt Russell. They've done really, they, he did really well right. last year, but but not necessarily. He's not. I wouldn't consider him a top five contender. Um, so yeah, I, on, on today's show, actually, I'm not sure where the interview will come in. It was uh, talked to Joe Skipper about this, and he thinks. It's de definitely possible, he says. You know, for for pro athletes, um, they 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 do bounce back a lot quicker in, in Ironman racing than than say age groupers. Uh, and so he did Wales. Granted, he, he you know as you heard, he would have got uh, got DQ'd on the bike, and he was out of it anyway. But still went out and ran a two fifty marathon on on the Wales right. course, which is which is still really solid. Um, so yeah, is is there any data there? You know, showing any athletes that have maybe got in the top five that have. Um, that have actually raced uh, really close to the, to to um, Kona. Yeah, I've I've gone through the data that I have that goes back to two thousand five, and, and you already mentioned the one that had the the highest finish on the men's side. It was Matt Russell who raced uh, two weeks before Kona last year in Chattanooga. Um, was second in Ch Chattanooga as as he was this year, finished sixth. Uh, same thing happened to uh, Liz Lyles uh, one year before. Then Chattanooga was three weeks out from Kona. She finished eighth in the female race. And those are the two highest finishes mm. by athletes that raced within three weeks before Kona. Um, all the others were pretty much outside the top 10. And the, the more typical one is either you get a DNF or somewhere in the in the 20s or 30s uh, range there. Um, so I don't think it's a 
perfect recipe <laughs> to do well in Kona. But I've spoken to a number of other athletes who think that um, having a hard race uh, three or four weeks out uh, from uh, second one is actually uh, beneficial to the second one. So this uh, race hard three weeks before and then uh, have a good good race in Kona. Um, there's a couple of athletes that think that that's a good uh, way for them to build into into Kona. Um, the thing where I'm not so sure about is um, it might be a good strategy if you're looking for a top 10 finish mm. and um, maybe have uh, you know just a solid all day round like like we saw with uh, with Matt Russell last year when he had uh, a good swim for him uh, when he was really strong on the bike and making up the time on the bike there and then another really solid marathon. But I don't think that's a um, so to speak, winning formula. If if you want to be at a level where you can, you know, duke it out uh, in the last 10k for the win in Kona, um, I think you need the the absolute sharpness and freshness, um, and not have something hard uh, like an Ironman and especially an Ironman marathon in your legs from three weeks before. Um, yeah, let's see how the the athletes that did race uh, that close to Kona this year. Um, um, prove me wrong here, but six and eight, those are the best results that we've seen from mm. racing two or three weeks out. I'll see if Cam proves, it, proves us all wrong. Um, so obviously, yeah, you, or if someone decides that maybe a week out will be another perfect recipe. I don't think we've ever seen that uh, in the pro races there. Yeah. <laughs> have have another Ironman just, just one week before Kona. That would be interesting. So obviously a new qualifying system this year, and I know you do go through this in, in the report, um, but we, and we want to leave enough in there that people are really keen to go and read the report, and there is a huge amount of information in there. But I know people are really intrigued with the new qualifying system and whether it's had much of an impact. So maybe just give us a few tidbits around um, around the qualifying system and if it's had any impact on the female side of it. You know, just looking at the numbers, to me, when mm -hmm. I initially saw it, I thought, oh, that seems like it's it's getting closer to 50-50. Um, so, yeah, what, what impact has the qualifying system had, and, and in particular on the female field? Yeah, I guess the highlights that, that I could, could sum up is um, basically, the ratio of male and female pros in Kona hasn't changed at all. I think it was 42% the year before, and it's probably somewhere around 43% this year. Um, probably more because some of the males uh, decided not to be able or to want to race uh, Kona. So that that might impact the ratio more than, than the qualifying system. And even though the qualifying system looks to be completely even from the outside, um, the way these unassigned slots are uh, going to the male or female sides um, because they're they're based on the number of starters. Um, almost all of the unassigned slots went to the male side, um, and that resulted in pretty much an unchanged uh, male to female ratio on the pro side uh, for this year, even with the new um, slot-based system. So no changes there. Um, what we did see was um, a lot of uh, fewer races that the athletes that qualified for Kona did uh, in the year before Kona. So it was a little bit more than uh, 2.1 Ironman they did on, on average before Kona under the old uh, KPR system. And that's gone down to 1.7 uh, Ironman races this year. Um, also fewer 70.3. So I guess um, the one of the criticisms that a lot of people leveled to the KPR was that it forced people to race more often than they maybe wanted to. And that seems to be uh, borne out by by the fact that, that we're seeing fewer Ironmans on average 
in um, among those athletes that qualified for Kona for sure. It seemed to me that and, uh, sorry with the with the old system. So if people aren't familiar with it, it was a point based system, and you could count five races, or it was five or six, or something like that. It could be. A it combat. was it was four in the last years because uh, Ironman yeah just didn't want people to race five Ironmans within a year or two. Yeah. I guess. And, that, and one area where we did see more racing was I, my gut feeling was more on the female side of it. Sometimes you saw the list of races they did was was astronomical. So um, so what you're saying, particularly on the female side, have you seen a bit of a drop off there in, in the number of uh, Ironmans they're, they're doing in order to qualify? Yeah, the, the the drop has been pretty much uniform on the men's side and on the women's side. Um, I, I um, remember that I was looking at um, athletes uh, around uh, the, the, the cutoff number uh, under the old point system and that the females who were close to the cutoff number raced more than the males that were close to the cutoff number. Um, but of course, that's something that we don't have a really equivalent under the new slot-based system, though. It's, so it's hard to uh, compare uh, these two numbers here. Uh, who, who just got in in Kona? <laughs> yeah, you, you don't really have that in the, in the slot-based system. So um, mm. that comparison is 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 hard to how to draw from the data that we have here. Mm. Okay, maybe maybe. And I guess the third point from the qualifying system that I would like to mention is uh, there was some speculation when the system was announced that the DNF rate uh, would go up because if people are aren't uh, in the running for a win anymore and don't have a hope for uh, a corner slot anymore, that they would drop out and then just go to the next race. Um, but that's also something that we have not seen. Um, mm. DNF rates stayed pretty much the same both for men and women. Um, and doesn't seem to be impacted by the qualifying system. Nice. Um, so, just in terms of this year's athletes, you know, um, what I, I sort of said on the show earlier, uh, you know, I think it's potential. It could be almost like a German uh, German top five on the male side of things, um, based off uh, some of your stats. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've written a German uh, website asked me to uh, go through the list of uh, potential of of pros in, in uh, from Germany who are racing this year. And I said, basically, I came up with eight top ten contenders, <laughs> mm. and that doesn't leave much space for the for the nationals anymore. But there are probably fifteen or twenty national top ten contenders as well. So uh, one thing that's certain is that we'll have uh, a couple of athletes that will be quite disappointed um, on the flight back home. Yeah. So um, just your, your gut feeling in terms of um, you know, again, I know you outlined this in, in your report, but maybe go through some of the potential dark horses that you think, you know, outside of the, the highly likely favorites, you know, with Keenlay, um, Frodo, Langer and uh, and others that have performed in Kona, you know, any, mm. any sort of gut feeling athletes that you think um, might surprise a few people? Yeah, I mean the the way that I look at it, that there's a couple of very interesting uh, Kona rookies uh, in the pro field this year. Um, the the problem with the rookies, as I said before, a good indicator for Kona performance is have you done well in Kona before? Obviously, we have no idea uh, how they're going to do and if they're going to be uh, suited for the tough Kona conditions, uh, both both from a climate perspective. And from the technical perspective that that Kona usually has, so we don't know how they're going to do. But I mean, Elster Brownlee is just one of those athletes who's done really well, uh, pretty much in every race that he tackled. Um, he won his Ironman debut, and I mean, just just again, the tricky bases that I have to work with uh, instead of a hot and humid race in like like he's going to face in Kona with the deep, strong field and big groups. Uh, he did Ironman uh, Ireland, which was uh, rainy, which was cold. 
uh, which uh, led to a console swim <laughs> mm. and a time trial start on the bike. Um, so how do you how, how do you build a, a prediction uh, for Ali of that? Um, that's just one of the the things. And of course, Ali would be uh, one of those athletes that you should really be looking for, even if it's if it's really hard to figure out uh, what he might be able to do uh, in Kona. Uh, similar thing, Cody Beals. I mean, we might have a few more data points from him. Uh, three Ironman starts, three Ironman wins, but there were Montremblant last year, Montremblant this year, and uh, Chattanooga last year. So not exactly uh, very, very deep and strong fields. I mean, both times in Montremblant, he was beating Lionel Sanders, so obviously no slouch at all. Mm. Uh, but yeah, again, how is he going to uh, cope with uh, with the conditions in Kona? Will he be able to do well there? So those would be two interesting Uh, on the men's side, I mean, as a German, of course, I have to mention uh, Franz Löschke, who was third in in Frankfurt, um, also doing his first Kona race there, uh, training with Sebi. Um, yeah, he could also be one uh, if he manages to get the bike right and start the run in a good position. Then he might uh, also cause a few um, surprises on the run there. Mm. Uh, so that's the men's side, uh, female side. Um, again, the rookies, uh, I'd like to point out, other than the big names, maybe uh, Laura Philipp, another German um, in the same group as, as Sebi and Franz, um, won uh, Ironman Barcelona a year ago. That's her first uh, Ironman distance race in what was then the German fastest known time there on the Ironman distance. Uh, took an injury over the summer, couldn't race another Ironman, but seems to be uh, getting into shape just in time for Kona. No idea what she's going to do in Kona. Uh, Imo Simmons is, may, might be another one who, who's done really well uh, in Frankfurt in her first Ironman, uh, finishing second. Uh, she was uh, third in Nice, I think, yeah. um, on the 70.3. So uh, certainly someone who's uh, either uh, who's going to be really have a great potential for racing well uh, on the Ironman distance, but first time in Kona. Um, very young and uh, not much experience on the Ironman distance yet. Uh, how will she, will she be able to deal with with the race situation, Kona? Um, yes, those are just some of the interesting rookies there. A bunch of those that have raced often before. I mean, take a Matt Hansen, who's never been able to do well in Kona before. Is he able to crack the nut like like mm. uh, maybe a Chris McCormick did? I don't know how often it took Chris uh, to finally be able to do well in Kona. Uh, Matt also seems to be someone who is just just there or thereabouts and uh, just needs some some little bit of secret sauce or something to uh, <laughs> figure out how to perform in Kona uh, to uh, really do well there. I mean, he's he's a very, very good runner. He ran a 234 in Texas last year, and that's usually the stuff that um, people need to do well in Kona. And, you, you know, you could just go on and on. Um, I think we're going to have two very interesting Uh, races uh, on the male and female side. Um, maybe sometimes you will need to be able to, uh, you know, look a little bit further down the list of of than than just the first or second who will be in the camera pictures on the live coverage. So uh, check out the tracker. Uh, I hope I'll be able to do some stuff on on Twitter and on the website that might make the following the race a little bit more interesting uh, mm -hmm. as it goes on. Mm. Now, it's interesting you mentioned Matt Hansen there. I, when I was doing my picks, I was thinking, oh, he might be a good one for a dark horse, but I kind of look at his swim split and think he's going to be always out the back door. But if he can, said, uh, as you said before, if you can produce a run in the 240s, then 
you're still going to be vaguely in contention, but if you know Dave McNamee is any example of uh, yeah, you know, running a yeah. fast marathon, you can get yourself up into the into the top five. Um, winning is probably a bit of a struggle, but into the top five is a potential. I think the other interesting one with um, Alistair Brownlee is, and I remember distinctly when he did his first seventy point three worlds in South Africa last year. Um, you know, just his comments around the dynamics on the bike, he wasn't quite quite ready for that. You mm. know, I think he wanted to go out there and time trial it, and I think when he when he rocks up onto the bike in Kona, it's going to be uh, that 70.3 uh, on steroids compared to, to what he's been used to in terms of just going out there and time trying. So it'll be very interesting to see if he can contain himself and uh, not uh, feel the need <laughs> to go straight to the front and just lay down the smacks. So yeah, but interesting. then maybe if, if, if there's a little front group that develops in the swim, then he's part of and that if that group manages to stay away for at least for some time uh, on the bike, uh, that might mm. also be just something that could play uh, into his cards. And I guess to to go back to Matt, um, for Matt, his main challenge is to stay in contention on the bike, which he never managed for one reason or another. <coughs> when he was winning uh, Texas, he always lost a little bit of time in the swim. But there are so many people that are behind that big group uh, in Kona after the swim. You know, you take take a Sebi uh, or Lionel Sanders or, or these type of athletes, a Borstein. Um, they always are... Uh, losing time on the swim and then need to spend the first half of the bike making up time to the to the big group there and maybe that that should be some someone should be there that Matt might might tack on if his if his bike is on point and I guess that's that's part of the puzzle that he has to solve that um, he needs to swim a little bit better than maybe he did in the past but then he needs to be ready for the for the big bike effort that he seemed to be able to do produce uh, when he was winning Texas but that he hasn't been able to produce in Kona so far. And mm. I don't know why that that is, if, if it's the climate or if something, I mean, one of the things that, for example, Meredith Kessler told me that, that she feels completely different in the swim in Kona than in any other race, whether it's, she, she also doesn't know what, what it is, if it's the salt water or the temperature of the water or, or the big groups there. As she says, she, she, she doesn't feel like herself when she's, she's doing the swim in Kona. Mm. And maybe that's something that, Matt needs to be looking at and or is hampering him in, in Kona there. So a lot of questions for Kona. <laughs> mm. Okay, put your money where your mouth is, Torsten. What's what's your, your your picks? Have you got have you developed a top three pick or are you prepared to put your money on the line? Well, I mean, I, if you want to look at the what what the data says, uh, get the report. Um, I've got slightly different ones uh, from I don't know. The heart might be a bit too much, but where I think that. Um, hopefully the race dynamics will play out a little bit differently than what the pure data shows because that's hard to take into account there. So top three on the women would be uh, Daniela Ruff, uh, Sarah Crowley, and Lucy Charles in third. Oh, interesting. Nice. Yeah. And uh, boys? Cause, cause I think that, that Sarah is going to tack on to Dani on the bike. And if yeah. she manages to do that in maybe a bit better way than she was doing it last year, and I think she just had to let Dani go after an hour or so, then uh, Sarah might be one for a surprise there. Nice. And, and on the men's side, um, yeah, I mean, Frodeno, he just looks so um, – yeah, he's, he's – the clear favorite, not not just based on the data, but uh, by everyone's uh, feelings, I guess, for for how he has been racing this year in the last couple of years. Um, Sebi Keenla, I have in second because uh, he's just had an all-around good season so far uh, coming back from his injury. 
And in third, I'll put down Cam Worth just to make the race interesting. <laughs> nice. I like your thoughts. Um, what else? Oh, just in terms of um, any inside gossip that you know. So, is uh, you know, in terms of the, the big hitters, you know, Fredino um, for your Germany and also Anne Haug, um, uh, is Fredino appear to be injury free um, and, and good to go? And likewise, Anne Haug, who finished third last year, and I know she had some injuries earlier in the year. So, any any, any updates from the world of Twitter that we should be aware of? Um, there's there's nothing that I've seen that would indicate that um, either of those is is struggling with an injury. Uh, the only ones that we've heard ha- had some issues are Tim O'Donnell, who had uh, apparently had some some foot issue again. Um, but from what I heard from him, he's he's well into running again. So um, might have hampered him a couple of weeks ago, but he seems to be good to go uh, at least for Kona. And the other one is uh, Rini Carfey, who broke her elbow. Um, and that seems to make swimming for a really, really tough proposition right now. Um, so we'll see uh, how much that heals until Kona and how much, uh, yeah, swim sharpness she's going to lose. I mean, she's always been one that didn't swim all that well. Um, if that's going to make a big difference to how her race develops, uh, I'm not sure. But of, of course, if she's, uh, you know, like three or four or five minutes slower than, than in the past, that could impact her. Uh, the way I see it, the main challenge for her um, from a from a technical perspective is going to be on the bike. Can she stay um, close enough to the front that her strong run is still going to matter? Um, and I don't think the the her uh, broken elbow is going to impact that too much as long as she's still able to uh, be in a in a solid um, aero position. But mm. apparently, yeah, it's just impacting her her uh, swim at this point. Uh, from the German side, Frodo healthy, uh, and Haug and all the others are healthy. I mean, there's a couple of athletes that decided to skip um, Nice and 70.3 worlds, um, but that seemed to be more from a focus perspective rather than uh, because they they were injured or uh, needed to rehab some some uh, lingering issue. Uh, and Haug was was doing Copenhagen and surprised everyone, including herself, with the new German fastest time on the female side there. Eight, 31 uh, i think still the fastest time uh on the female side so far uh, and she just needed the time to recover from that and then do the specific focus needed for kona that 70.3 worlds just wouldn't have made sense for her to race there mm-hmm. same for um laura um yeah and i guess a bunch of other people raced there um some some were happy with the results some maybe not quite as much uh, patrick was really disappointed i think with his 20 21st, 22nd, 23rd, somewhere there, uh, also losing a lot of time on the bike. So uh, he'll have gone into his uh, uh, Woodlands camp um, in Texas, knowing exactly what he needs to do. And things worked for him uh, last year. Uh, maybe they'll work again this year. Who knows? Love your work as always, Torsten. So guys, if you want to go check out um, the, the Kona rating report, go to tryrating.com. And as Torsten said, you know, there's often a lot going on in the background that you might not see um, on the live pictures. So keep an eye on his Twitter feed as you go through the day, as well as the tracker online. And uh, keep yourself abreast of what's happening, not just with those front few, because um, yeah, some of those big runners, you need to keep an eye on them. On, and even if they're 15 minutes down, and they still still could well run themselves up onto the podium. So, Torsten, love your work as always, and uh, enjoy your late night uh, watching Kona. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it, the race starts seven in the evening for us, or six thirty in the evening for us, and it's well into three or four a.m. for us. But yeah, it's uh, one of the most exciting nights of, uh, nights of the year for me.
Brilliant. tracking Kona, and I'll be sitting at my at my laptop. I have the stream going on on the TV, and then uh, see as much as possible, and then dig into the data, and hopefully provide some interesting updates uh, as well as the race goes on. Awesome, love your work. Okay, John, we are back, and it's, it's so many. It's only a few more sleeps now, John. It is. So, guys, you, you just heard from Torsten. Go get that try rating report. Um, kick a few bucks his way for doing it. It's a, such a comprehensive resource, and it does my head in that Ironman doesn't produce or hire Torsten to basically do this because it's everything you need to know about the race, about the athletes, what they've been doing this year. Or, you know, whenever we pull out stats, you know, we were, we were bumbling our way through earlier in the show, you know, the fastest times of all time and where that sort of ranks. That stuff's not on the Ironman website. Basically, Torsten does this. So flick him a few bucks. Go get, go get, uh, go get his report and support him because he does does a fantastic, uh, fantastic job for our sport that should be do- done by other people, or he should be hired to do it. And, and what's great about it is it's a great resource to have on race day because you know, let's be honest, a lot of us are going to spend a few hours on race day, kind of working through this. And you can just go to the site, kind of download the resource. It's a cool thing to have as you hear names, you go see the history. It's so thorough, man. It's really great, hey John. Oh, I totally agree. And and if, if I was commentating on this race, and I'm not going to put the boot into the commentators because, my God, their job is hard. Um, but I'd basically have this on hand, and I'd have somebody sitting there across the table, and whenever something happens in the race you don't quite know about, they'd be bloody skipping through here going, oh, okay, this person, they went, did this, this, and this in the, in the last 12 months. So it's a great resource. Yeah, good times. Check it out, tryrating.com. John, let's do our sponsors. Oh, first, oh, sorry, our patrons. The first nickname is Absolute Gold. Daniel... You have placed a chill in my heart, Stuart. I don't remember doing that nickname, but that's a gold nickname. <laughs> As is the next one, I reckon. Linda, Blades of Glory Row. And then we're why, cr- that, oh, you go. why that's good is because she's uh, her and her husband have got a uh, lawnmower business here in Christchurch, oh, Blades nice. of Glory. Yeah, I know, Linda. She's lovely. And then uh, Chris, the Judge Pug. Chris, we, we interviewed Chris, didn't we? Oh, maybe it's another Chris Hogue, yeah. I don't know. Okay, um, so this... You're, you're thinking of the ex-pro. Um, yeah, we interviewed him, didn't we? We did. That was a really good interview. I can't yeah. remember. And Kona. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was good. I actually, got um, I actually interviewed him on my other podcast as well. He's so good. Chris Half, that was his name. That, Chris that, that's what I was thinking of, yep. Okay, we've got a new patron, John. We have uh, Richard Thorpe. And you can tell me if you want to go elsewhere with this nickname, but I've gone for the Torpedo. And I know why you've done that, haven't you? Yeah. Ian Thorpe, the Torpedo. I thought, I'm not going the Torpedo, but we'll go the Torpedo. So Richard, the Torpedo Thorpe. He blows you away. Ian Thorpe was just an immense swimmer. God, he was awesome. I remember Mecca telling a story, and I've probably talked about this in the show in the past, but um, Mecca was saying that the pressure on Ian Thorpe was absolutely ridiculous. When he was training, when he was like in his peak of his game, on a Friday he'd have a public session at, at basically wherever he lived. There was a swimming pool with a big stadium, you know, but you know, you think of a pool with a stadium kind of thing. Every Friday it would fill up. Mm. They just to watch yeah. him train. Yeah. Now, he was immense, and that was in the heyday of Australian sport. And by the time this comes out, Australia will probably be out of the Ruddy Rugby World Cup. Um, what what but, happened with Australian swimming? Because there was a period where Australian swimming was just dominant, wasn't it? Well, it's like many things. I'd say 
maybe they got a bit worse, but also the rest of the world really caught up. And uh, they're still they're still great. You know, Australia is still a very very strong swimming nation. Um, but there was that period where they really got the jump on the rest of the world. Um, and and I don't follow swimming that closely, but I'd imagine it was more a case of the rest of the world catching up, and maybe the Aussies just taking their foot off the uh, foot off the throat a little bit. So you see it in lots of different sports. Um, but yeah, for, there was a period there where Australia were just killing it. And thought Peter was amazing, really. He was, yeah, he was phenomenal. Okay, John, so let's do our sponsors. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.iamtalk.me. Support the boys in what we do. You can join the boys in Kona next year. We're looking forward to that. So hopefully you can be the winner of that. Uh, you also get a gift for being a patron as well. If you want to get the show emailed to you, just go to www.iamtalk.me. It's down the bottom of the page. Uh, if you want coaching, go to coachjohnnewson.com. For podcasts, my podcast, go to bevanjamesisles.com. And for content such as age group of the week, cool websites, and other feedback, you can email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you're in Kaiteri. Where are you going to watch the race? Uh, we're back in time for the race. We're going to be going up and uh, we're coming back the day before. And I will say, if you enjoy the Kona coverage this week and you think you want a piece of the action, I will have my Kona camp on next year at the end of May. Awesome. You get to basically race on uh, half of the Ironman course. You get to train the, the full Ironman course. You get to see the full island. Uh, so check that out. And also, if you do want to get part of our rote experience, we've still got a couple of spaces left on the, the rote camp in July. So a couple of iconic venues you can go next year and uh, make next year a, a year to remember. Um, Bevan, I'm in Kaiteri, and it's all good. Uh, hopefully the, the weather's going to be kind to us, and there'll be a bit of mountain biking on the mountain bike trails, uh, maybe jump in the water for a quick um, spring swim, and generally just uh, still doing a bit of work up there, unfortunately, so I don't get a week off. It's going to be a bit of a mixture of family time and working. I know your boy's into the sport. Will he watch Kona with you? Uh, I think he probably will this time. He's uh, he's getting pretty fanatical about watching Super League uh, and cycling, uh, so I think he will come and go quite a bit. He loves to watch the ITU stuff, so he'll he'll happily sit there for a full ITU race. Um, but perhaps because because and that's the thing he and this is where Ironman struggles is because there's not that regular going head to head racing. You don't get to. F- really yeah. you know, follow the, the the names so for him you know he watches an itu race or a super league and he knows um you know he knows all the big names he knows all the big contenders because he's seeing them on a regular basis going head to head and he kind of understand how the race unfolds but in iron man we only really get to see it um once a year and, and this is why kona is so exciting for me and, and i imagine all you guys is there is that element um you don't really know what's going to happen. You got you got a fair idea on what's likely to happen, but especially on the guys' side, you know, there's so many good guys that could really change the, the the complexion of the race, and so you just don't know. When we go and watch Ironman Germany, you're going to go, okay, this is probably going to be Fredino and Keenlay, and maybe somebody else can hang on to them. It's and I don't know who's going to win out of those two, but it's fairly predictable over here. I mean, the females, yeah, it may be predictable for first place, but second through to 10th, there's, there's quite a few people that, that could be um, within the mix. So that's the excitement is you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it, it is, for us Ironman fans, it is the day, isn't it? And, and, mm. and as you say, it's a pity, it's a pity we shouldn't have three races a year where everyone turned up. You know, I know you, mm. know, you can't get Ironman to race that much, but if you could have three races a year, million bucks online each race, paid deep, Everyone wants to be there. You know, how cool would that be if we just had more of this? But it's not the case. Um, any other gosh, John? 
No, Bevan, I think that's about it. So hopefully you guys settle in and enjoy the uh, enjoy the coverage. Maybe we'll do a bit on Facebook, try to get uh, get get your feedback as you're sort of watching the race, where you're watching it from, if you're doing anything special. And uh, for you guys that are listening, and if you're over on the Big Island, have a fantastic race. Um, it's uh, stick to your game plan is the main bit of advice. Very easy to get overexcited. Keep an eye on your heart rate, and if that heart rate's gone ballistic, there's probably a fairly good chance that you're going to suffer later on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, especially if you're going there, not necessarily for – getting in the top five or podium just uh, piece of advice yeah i gave D- dave dwan's over there this year the dr feelgood and he is uh doing a legacy program and oh is he I racing said, dave's racing he, no he's not doing didn't get a legacy he got a, a big island slot because he's he's uh, a big island resident now and oh. i kind of said to him you know uh, he's in the 65 to 69 age group i kind of said just try to enjoy the race <laughs> you know uh, Maybe the second time you go back, if you get another opportunity, then just crank it. But you want to you want to be able to run yeah. the, the Queen K, and you want to actually be able to enjoy it. Oh, so, so I know that's different. Racing. Yeah, I know that's different for guys at the pointy end, but um, it can be a pretty miserable experience out there. So stick to your game plan, stick to your heart rates, keep an eye on all your different indicators, and uh, and kick some ass. Um, just one thing, John. I actually hope for a real terrible weather day. Oh, totally great. I was just literally thinking the same thing. Like, where, was the, where was the last time? It's been years. It's been years, years and years and years. since we've, we've had some bit of wind here and there, but we have not had a uh, decent wind for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally with you. We want tricky conditions. We want, you know, guys going eight, eight hours, 30 and stuff, and females, nobody breaking nine yep. hours would be absolutely brilliant. And Because that really makes it a fascinating day. You know, it's a fascinating day anyway, but imagine if we got a, a good old-fashioned – Everyone's just complaining about the race after the day. Just on 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 uh, Doctor Feelgood, Jordan Blanco sent through an email. And she's just telling us about the night. You, you guys haven't heard about the night next, um, which no. is, and so and she, but then she also said she just popped into Lava Java, and who was there? Good old Dave. So she took a photo. It's going to be the photo on the website this week. So good old Doctor Feelgood. Dave was just working at Lava Java, or maybe just having a coffee at Lava Java. Um, so it was pretty cool that him and Jordan connected there. So have a good race, Dave. <laughs> If you are in Kona and you do go to Lava Java, just look out for the great haired guy. Um, Lots of smiles, doesn't shut up. He'll be chatting away. <laughs> doesn't shut up, but say, say uh, you heard about him on Iron Talks. So awesome. Have, have a great race if you're racing, guys, and uh, everybody else have a great time spectating. Okay, guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week with all the post Kona news. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia ka. Kia ka.